0: On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are back in the world of Bosch. Kind of, with Netflix's new adaptation of The Lincoln Lawyer. Uh, We're taking a trip through 90s Japan with Michael Mann in Tokyo Vice on Starz Play and seeing if Sally Rooney and Lenny Abramson can top normal people via conversations with friends on BBC Three. But that's not all, because, speaking of Bosch, we have the man himself, Mr Titus Welliver, on the show to talk all about Bosch legacy. And we have the stars of Apple's Tehran, Niv Sultan and the legendary Glenn Close, who stopped by to discuss that show's second season. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to the very best of Peak TV, uh, and a show that pushed it right up to the wire this week, juggling razor-sharp embargoes, uh, and watching shows drop out of the lineup left and right, which is why we're coming to you on Tuesday instead of on Monday. Uh, Not to mention, an ill-timed training course that means we're not in the studio this week at all, but rather banished to the four corners of the earth, and brought to you via the Marvel of Video Link-Up. But we are nonetheless still here, and I am, as ever, joined by my two co-hosts, Beth Webb and Boyd Hilton. How are you both?
1: shocked by that really short introduction that's nice it's usually like heathen of swindon or whatever yeah. or some sort of like reference they don't understand so yeah, yeah. it's nice to yeah. cut straight to the chase today more of that please i'd like
0: to be unpredictable <laughs> <laughs> and like i say we were a little pushed for time this week so i didn't have any labored metaphors that i could pull oh. out for you but i shall oh. have like redoubled my efforts come on come on do better do better <laughs> I, I i just wanted to say that i could leave this for
2: tv news but Uh, an email just pinged into my inbox this very, literally,
1: (laughs) literally minutes ago. Morning,
2: last night, Amazon Freebie, formerly INDB TV, hosted an exclusive screening and Q&A event in partnership with Pilot TV for Bosch Legacy at the Common Garden Hotel London. (laughs) Attending cast including Titles, well, everyone, me Rogers. Pilot TV host and digital editor-in-chief James Dyer moderated the Q&A discussion, which featured key themes, including taking on the next chapter for Bosch and moving the much-loved series to Amazon Freebie.
0: Oh, my God. And
3: it goes <laughs> on from there. <laughs> oh, wow. A good
0: time was had by yeah. all. I think oh. we can agree. Uh, yes, goodness. we did do a big Bosch Legacy event last night uh, at the Covent Garden Hotel, and it was it was fun. I mean, it was a lot of fun for me. I can't speak for anyone else. Um, I, I had a, a good old chat with old Titus Welliver. We boshed out. Um, Titus Welliver it has to be said is uh, a massive geek, like a. A bigger geek than me quite possibly like as nice. in to the point where when you're talking to him you're like oh nah. i'm out of my depth here like you know your <laughs> shit like we were talking about all kinds of shows we literally talked for about 40 minutes about after the the q a about everything from like the the arrow verse to stuff that like to from that's coming up out of range all these kind of things and you know what i completely forgot to bring up
3: you the, did Expanse. the Expanse. I didn't <laughs>
0: mention the Expanse once. I swear <laughs> to God, I discussed science fiction television with time to Swell over for forty-five minutes.
3: <laughs> and I didn't bring up the Expanse, and I can't
0: quite understand what happens. I, I, I genuinely, I'm, 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 I'm completely at a loss as to why this this I, thing slipped my mind.
1: I, I wish I'd been there and seen uh, your face when the yeah. penny dropped that you didn't do that. Yeah. Like I'd imagine stopping on the street and like your face just but dropping. I had this. i was walking
0: home and i was like, oh my god i totally didn't bring it up luckily for me luckily for me one of our listeners hk phil uh replied to one of the tweets and said you know the biggest question does Titus like the expanse? To which he replied on Twitter, Love it. So we could have had this oh, amazing, yeah. like hour long expanse
3: oh, discussion and, and it never happened. Oh, so, luckily, though,
2: yeah. luckily though, luckily though, you can just call him anytime. I'm not I don't want to encourage the madness, but you know,
0: just 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 see text him, say Titus, you around for being want to chat yeah, about the expanse. Yeah, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I forgot to talk yeah. about the expanse. Let's have a watching party, let's yeah. binge oh, the entire God. show together, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, it would be uh, fine. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that'll that'll happen. But yeah, it was uh, it, it was it was good 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 funds. Good funds. He's got quite a look, I have to say, as well. Like when
2: he's off yes. you know, when he, like off stage, off screen, massive beard, mm. um, very like rocker California rocker vibe going on. Yeah. <laughs> Baseball yeah. He's cap. not looking
0: very bosh at the moment.
2: No, very un I mean you wouldn't recognise him. If he if you walked no. past him in the street, you'd be like, Oh, no, th- who's that member of Grateful Dead circa
0: 1972 basically <laughs> <laughs> it's cool though he can rock a beard like I had slight beard envy yeah. actually fantastic and Mimi Rogers as well and Mimi Rogers was there, right? yeah so so it is me not you Boyd who has been hobnobbing with yeah. the elites this week so <laughs> big time, big time. <laughs> you're quite excited by that um but what have you guys been up to you know on or off screen with or without celebrities whatever you like
1: well, actually, I did have a wonderful celebrity experience this week that I am still slightly floating off. So um, I've had a very film-heavy week this week, which sounds, <laughs> as a news editor for Empire, you think would be the case. But actually, I don't get to see that many films. But this week has been absolutely full on. And on Tuesday evening, I went to see what I think is probably my favourite film of the year so far, which is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, absolutely batshit wonderful curio of a film. Uh, that's coming out in a few weeks and the wonderful Edgar Wright hosted a screening of it being just a fan of the film Mm. and put it on and I was only sat next to Louis Theroux Uh, so I think all (laughs) of his so all of his all of his mates came out to watch it it was brilliant Kate Blanchett was there um who else did we have? Julia Davis was there. Oh. Joe Cornish was there. Rose Matafeo was there, and uh, it was absolutely wow. brilliant. You couldn't, you couldn't swing a cat with not that you sorry Risky she is here because <laughs> I'm at home so come here come you could swing
0: Risky without hitting someone
1: <laughs> you couldn't swing Risky without hitting Louis through um, and uh, yeah so I, I, I had the absolute pleasure of well there, there was a person in between us um, but I did I have to say I did sneak a few looks at him while he was watching it I think he's actually tweeted about it and said how much he loved it but it was quite I thought you were about to say tweet about this
0: weird girl who kept
2: looking
1: at <laughs> me during
0: the yeah.
3: this is very strange
2: yeah. Yeah. can I just kept say can I just say you might Made the right decision there because on that day it was either go to that screening, yeah. watch that film about multiverses etc., or go and yeah. see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which is what I chose to do. Hang on, are you a Strange hater? Oh my Ooh. god! Right, I'm sorry. It was the most disappointing, disappointing film experience of the year so <gasps> oh, far for me. What are you like? I really like the first one. The first one's great, coherent. It is. For a different atmosphere for Marvel. Very, very a, a story, very well told. Lovely cast, but Cumberbatch brilliant. This, I'm sorry, but Sam Raimi cannot put a film together. He has lost it. Mm.
3: This is a most Writing gigantic.
2: Talk. It's a. I know this is a TV podcast, but I can't. I have to get it off my chest. It's a. Yeah. Um, it's a tortuous, boring, repetitive, nonsensical mess. You know how they say about films? Oh, they that we found it in the edit. This is like they lost it in the edit. It's just like <laughs> yeah. It's just like random bits of, not even story, just incident pieced together. And because yeah. if it's enough to have five thousand different versions of the same characters, none of which we care about, it doesn't mm. matter. One of them's dead. Doesn't matter. It's just an incoherent. <laughs> it's it's it's. I genuinely, I was absolutely furious. Really gutted about oh, it. Because I love I love everyone involved. It's yeah. just. I mean I can't wait to listen to the spoiler special, how any of you defend that mess because This it is, is astonishing it's to me. Hating anything
0: kind of shocks brilliant. me. But it's terrible. I thought it was great. because oh, <laughs> you you
1: I saw it. So I saw it in the morning. I went to the morning screening of Doctor Strange and then I went to everything every ah. evening. And uh yeah, it yeah, it did bolster my love of the, the latter one quite <sighs> considerably. Not that I hated it as much as Boy did, um, but yeah. Was, I didn't hate um, it.
2: I was just disappointed. I was just like, "What?" It just it's just. Is it like a mess. me watching
0: Picard? Is that what it was? Yeah, just really, really <laughs> disappointed.
2: Yeah, you
1: know, I'd rather you be angry. Sad Boyd and Sad James. It's, it's, there's no, there's no yeah. fun in that for me. I like no. it when it's shots fired.
0: I seems a bit angry, to be fair.
2: Yeah, he does seem pretty,
1: pretty
2: wild up. A, I'm a bit angry. Yeah, you're right. That, there's some anger there. It has to be said.
0: I, I really <laughs> yeah. liked it. I, I know what you mean. There's there's an incoherence to parts of it, and I'd say some of the character motivations are waved off a little bit. But I thought it was an absolute riot. Like it's a ride. <laughs> I really liked it. I thought it was, it was wild. It's not
2: even that much of a ride. I mean, a bit, the bits. The first film had wilder moments, really, than this. It's got. it has got. Mm. There's like one bit where it's vaguely. It's not. Uh, sorry, no, I was, there so, are no hot pop fingers in it. I'll grant you that. But. Yeah, yeah, I, I was absolutely
0: gutted, yeah. Sorry. Well, well, okay. Well, we can we can we can we can crowbar this into the pilot TV podcast because I yeah. think one of the things that Doctor Strange did do is it moved the needle on required reading. I mentioned this a little bit on the Empire podcast, is that up until now, Disney have always maintained that you can watch the films uh, and you can watch the TV shows if you like and they'll fill in more stuff to give you enjoyment, but you don't need to watch the TV shows to watch the films. And I think this is the first of the MCU movies where that isn't the case. Mm. That fundamentally, if you've not seen WandaVision, sure, you can watch the film, but it'll just be drivel well more yeah. drivel than it was for you yeah, but like <laughs> genuinely like yeah. all of the setup is in WandaVision and right. I kind of feel like they have like, made that required reading
2: they, 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 I don't see why they couldn't just have a recap a TV style recap I agree with you completely, completely. <laughs> previously like in the MCU well why not well, I mean why the fuck it, not are making? Be helpful effectively they are now making you know long form yeah. TV serialised style storytelling and this as you say in particular Completely rests on Wonder It did remind me, and I actually thought the first, the first half hour or so of the film is fine. When it, when it's just setting up the premise and when, you know it goes to the wedding, that's all lovely, that's fine. It's when it goes off into the when it when it, when multiverse things start, that's when it goes disastrously wrong. But up and before that, but it did remind me of how great Wonder is. I think it's really the so like to yeah. take the positive out of it because Wonder itself was an incredibly coherent um, explanation. And how bold and daring that was! Yeah. To use all those words, and how weird those first few episodes were when it was mm-hmm. just you know unfolding like a TV sitcom and all of that. It's just way better than this film in every conceivable way, and that's how to do it. And I, you do, you are reminded like that's that all of it works put brilliantly, whereas this is just blur. Just you know, anyway, <laughs> this is blur. <laughs> blur. <laughs> oh.
1: But wow. yeah, anyway, so I anyway. sat next to Julia yeah. Davis <laughs> and Louis Theroux, having the time of my life. Um, yeah, it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. So I, I, I yeah, had a little brush with the celebs myself this week. It was quite it was quite special. Um, and everyone loved the film as well. I really missed that. Not just going to see a film and then you get on the tube and you go home. It's like seeing a film and then being surrounded by people who were so touched and uplifted by watching something collectively. It like, was lovely. It was good. So yeah, me and Louie. Me and Louie had a great time on Tuesday night.
0: Very nice. Speak we've been obviously mentioned a little bit of Marvel stuff. Did either of you, obviously without spoilers, uh see the Moon Knight finale? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Beth Oh, Beth, <laughs> go on. Let's hear it. Let's hear it without spoilers.
1: Yeah. So yeah it's a, it's a beautiful show it looks absolutely stunning i love the palette um that they use for this and you know learning off all the kind of egyptian mythical wonderful stuff that that whole world is really interesting but it was i feel that yeah there was required reading needed with this as well it was it was pretty baffling to me most <laughs> of the time and without <laughs> enough heart for me to really care what the what was going on? Um, but Ryan Beth, at-
0: were you not really attached to Stephen and you wanted to see what happened?
1: <laughs> Do you know what James? I actually <laughs> thought, yeah, that's right, that's right. I actually thought Stephen was the best thing in it. By the end, <laughs>
0: terrific, terrific. Um- oh, big
2: time, big yeah, time. It yeah. was. Yeah. Stephen mm. was
1: wonderful. I, I, yeah, he was, he was like the saving, the saving grace to me. And and I, and I love Ethan Hawke. I think he was undersold. Mm. With this, uh, yeah, I just, I just wasn't invested. And given the two, how much I enjoy watching those two stars, it says a lot about that show um, that I was just not engaging with it at all, really, um, which is a real shame.
2: I think the finale was a reminder that that these things tend to, to kind of dissipate in the in the finale. Like they tend to revert to Marvel normality. Mm. And I thing like this did, you know, and he ended up being just a kind of whole load of CGI people flinging things, flinging CGI things at each other, and you know, there was a nice kind of amulet Raiders of the Lost Ark element to it, which I quite liked. It got, it got very Raiders in that in that finale with all the kind of hocus pocus <laughs> symbolism and objects, you know, stuff. But I agree that it is fairly bewildering, um, and but he was so great. Particularly in that in the Stephen Grant um, identity, that whenever Stephen Grant wasn't on screen, and in fact, in the finale, he's, you know, when he arrived back in the finale, I was like, oh, thank God he's here, and he was funny as ever. And him commenting on the action is really funny, and his accent is brilliant, and all of that. But the rest of it did remind you that actually there were amazing moments in the series. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, it I didn't really move me in any way whatsoever. I was not emotionally engaged with it. I just kind of. I admired it from afar, the the filmmaking and the visuals and the performances. But it, it, again, it reminded me that Wonder Vision did this much better. I still think Wonder Vision is the peak. Loki was good as well. I really enjoyed Loki. But in terms of Marvel TV shows, I think I feel like there's something about Wonder Vision from conception to execution. Everything about it just they just it just they really they're really on their A game for it. And I, I feel like this
0: just didn't quite yeah didn't quite. Um, come together fully for me I, I, unsurprisingly I really enjoyed it uh, <laughs> it's still the first two episodes of that show I think are, remain my favourites. Uh, yeah, but we no I, I I enjoyed the conclusion of this I thought it was good there were a couple of notes I would quibble with but obviously I'm not going to go into details for that you have to listen to the spoiler mm-hmm. special podcast which <laughs> we had an awful lot of fun recording uh, the word fuck hippo was bandied around more than you would imagine uh, oh but gosh. if you want to subscribe to that then you can find it empireonline.com slash spoiler specials um, what else have we all been watching this week well beth i should mention to you i finished we are lady parts and all ah! i have to say to you is sparta <laughs>
3: um oh, it's, it's so
0: good isn't it it's just so good i can't believe yes. i stopped watching it i don't know why i think i just got drowned in everything else that was on but yeah. yes it deserves all the plaudits it is magnificent uh, we are getting a second that.
1: season uh, i don't are. know when yeah yeah, I'm. Um, I'm, I'm super excited. Here for super we are Lady, lady Parts. parts. So that's a in the call fun. out now. We, I want a gig. I want, as part of their promotional thing, I would love for them to do an actual well, live performance.
0: Off the back of the Bosch event we did last night, we could do a pilot TV live concert with We Are wow. Lady Parts. Where well, you, well, you join in? Where you join in on guitar? <laughs> yeah, where I get my
2: yeah. guitar She's out,
1: join us. get guitars yes. yes. in yes. The yes.
3: The background. We are Lady
0: Parts plus Bellend. Wow. Oh, the synergy there is extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. We are lady parts. He is bellend. That'll be the... Uh...
3: <laughs> it will be perfect. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Uh, so, yes, love that. And I also went back and watched What If. Obviously, as part of my homework for Dot uh, Straight in yeah. the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. And oh. I skipped What If. I watched the first three episodes and I was a bit meh on it. And I watched the rest of those. And do you know what? It's really good. It gets better as it goes along. I think the, the first three one. are maybe not. Yeah, the animated one. Wow. The animation in part turned me off as well. But now that I am a newfound animation stan in my post arcane identity, oh, God. Um, <laughs> I, I went back and I loved it. And there's a zombie episode, which is really well put together. Uh, and also it becomes slightly more serialised as it goes along and slightly less episodic because uh, it takes this Twilight zone sort of Outer Limits-y format for most of it and then towards the end you get this kind of ongoing story but yeah it was really good I have uh, I've revised my opinion of What If uh, and, mm. and like that now Better than... Um Doctor Strange, then the film. Oh, yeah, sorry. Boydy, boydy, sorry. boydy, 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 Sorry, <laughs> how you can be so wrong about this, or so so damning of this massive film, and then so, and so stalwart in your defence, in these dreadful broad ITV dramas. Oh, I well, just I could do say the same understand. thing about
2: you. How you can somehow justify this complete mess of a film and be against, you know, perfectly well constructed, well made, well written, you know, an authentic yeah. TV dramas. Yeah, I could say. Di
0: Ray and the multiverse of madness. That's yeah, what we mean. Yeah, I mean Di Ray. At least they do <laughs> a fucking Story properly
2: it makes sense. Anyway, goes I love
1: it when Boyd goes is go brilliant. Let's, see, let's keep
2: this up because we we'll see if we can make you yeah. full breeders but, on me. I, I can keep this up because I watched a show. In I, I watched another show this week, which I have to tell you about. This is. Have you heard of the Pentaverate?
1: Oh my god! Oh my oh. god!
2: Yes, I have, yeah. and I've read the reviews. Yeah. And I- well, <laughs> let me just say, this is another. This is like encapsulating the Netflix problems. If you want to know where it's going wrong with Netflix, and I'm, I always I try and be fair, there's loads of brilliant stuff as well. Heartstoppers, fantastic, blah, 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 yeah. blah. But mm-hmm. this show, mm-hmm. oh my God. This is Mike Myers. The first thing he's really done for, for, for years, I think. I think mm-hmm. it's taken him two years to make this show, right and make this mm-hmm. show. It's a six-part um, comedy <laughs> in which he plays about 5,000 characters. Um, the whole the idea of it is like a this big conspiracy. It, there's a big conspiracy. There's a big gl- global elite uh, running the world, but they're nice. That is the one joke of the whole thing. So they're nice guys. Guys literally running the world. Um, so it dips into the idea of conspiracies. Which, it, it, there's a brilliant. There's probably a really funny comedy to be made about the whole conspiracy theory world. This is not it. Um, it's got an incredible cast. Ken Jeong's in it. Keegan Michael Key, isn't it? Um, Jennifer Saunders is in it. Lydia West, fucking the brilliant Lydia West, you know yeah. from It's a Sin, et cetera, yeah. is in it, playing a playing a Canadian, <laughs> just a very, very Canadian accent. A lot of Canadian jokes. Mike Myers is Canadian, as we all know. And oh, it's just it's lavish. Um, this thing must have cost a ton. There's CGI because it's like. This whole world they live in, this kind of universe where there's these group, this secret sect living. That's all kind of like a lavish starship kind of vibe going on. Um, mm. Loads of locations. Uh, it, it, it must have cost a ton, and it is just painfully unfunny. And it, I mean, it's, it makes less sense than Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness <laughs> in many ways. Um, and it's and it, and it's excruciating because I love Mike Myers. I think he's like you know I know he's done some terrible films and some decent films, but you know, going back to the heyday of Mike Myers. So I married an axe murderer. Um, you know, Austin Powers—the first Austin Powers film. Austin I would Powers: say, was, Wayne's World, yes, it was great. Trek, if you will. Trek, if you will. But this is like <laughs> he's given himself an excuse to play nine characters, and that's about it. And that's about the level of. Uh, and there's the running jokes about. Uh, just most like he's really got a thing about bodily functions, which I know you know. And I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm no prude. I love a good basic joke about bodily functions, but that's all there is to this show. To these, these six, these six this six. It feels like my absolute kryptonite, doesn't uh, it? You, it's worth. It's it, all. My, it's so <laughs> excruciating that it's. I'm fascinated by it. I'm ab- I wanted to know the, uh, the making of it. I want to know. You know what How Lydia West got involved in it? I want to know what Jennifer Saunders thinks. Uh, the whole thing is such an extraordinary coming together of m- disastrous, misguided elements that I'm fascinated by the whole thing. I really like him, you know. I, so I, you know, I don't feel good for hating it, but it is an absolute um, disaster.
1: I put it on last night when I got in from a film, and I, t- I turned it off after 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> because it's on that
2: smartless podcast, um, which is Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett interview famous people, and that he, yeah. that, you know, he talked about what happened, <laughs> why he decided to do this show. And it's just, just, it's just it's just really sad. <laughs> I'm thrilled that we did not
0: review it on this podcast, so yes. I did not have to watch well, it. But mm. so what
2: I was going to say about Netflix is, you know, they didn't, they didn't even mention it in any of their yeah. um, emails. It's not, it wasn't even on their um, kind of like Netflix Media Center list, which includes everything. Like yeah. they have, they must be aware. And they put it out. You know, I've said this before. You know, a Netflix thing is not going to be great when they put it out on a Thursday rather than a Friday. <laughs> and this, this arrived Thursday. No, I mean, not even yeah. no fanfare. Almost like anti-fanfare. It's almost like, please don't watch this thing that we happen to have given
0: Mike Myers five thousand billion dollars to make. It's 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 a extraordinary yeah. situation. All of the editorial around this was very much along the lines of what you said. This is Netflix's entire problem right here, spending loads of money on absolute self-indulgent shit. I mean, I'm not saying that that is their entire problem, but in this instance it does seem to be what may have happened.
1: Mm. I can only yeah. think that with this they're trying to they're trying to just get him on their roster in, in the way that they have with like Adam Sandler. Um, yeah. and so they're trying to give him his passion project, but yeah, it is a shame. We we ran an interview with him in our issue that's out now um and yeah he was very excited about it It sounded great but yeah it's uh i I try not i try and watch at least a full episode of something but this was this was (laughs) i just couldn't do it i just couldn't do
0: it it's it's a challenge any other shows you would like to highlight before we move on
1: no the one i was going to mention ties in with our listener question so i'm going to hold fire until that
0: the staircase
2: i've watched more of the staircase Oh, you and, did? Uh, yeah, it's You've really, gone further really up good. the staircase, if you will. <laughs> further up, absolutely. It, it, it's really, really... It, like, it almost gets better and better. And you know what? Partly why it's because the documentary makers of the original documentary are characters in the, in the show. Oh, <laughs> really? More and more, yeah. And they, 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 the first scene in episode two is them deciding, what, deciding to make, try and make this documentary about the case. And they become more and more intricately involved. And, of course, they are part of the narrative. You know, they they did they, they mm-hmm. helped shape the whole thing. They had all the exclusive access to, to him and his family and his law, legal team. And it's fascinating to see them making a documentary and this drama about the making of a documentary about a true crime thing. It is really fascinating. So, yeah, I can't wait. I, I'm actually kind of really excited to finish it because it's really, really good, really interesting. And the other thing I want to mention is Clark. Have you heard about Clark? This no. is on Netflix. This arrived this week with semi not much fanfare, but is is interesting at least. I think Bill Skarsgård playing. It's the true story about um, a criminal who um, uh, kind of robbed banks and did terrible things. But it's kind of um, it's it's told in extreme. Jonas Ackerman made it. If you've seen any Jonas Ackerman films, you'll know that he is a maverick, and um, it's kind of vision. I've watched the first. I've watched kind of first half of the first episode, and it's a kind of. Um, very ambitious visual kind of uh, striking visuals loads of sex violence and kind of self-indulgence but it's an interesting it's an interesting um, thing definitely but, but in terms of um, Netflix things even though it wasn't particularly heralded it's very interesting and looks pretty good as opposed to um, the the other thing the pentaveret
0: well, Beth, you mentioned the listener question. We do have one this week, which is always exciting. Let me just dig it out, since I, of course, did not write it down in any way, shape, or form. Uh, can I just say, I don't know if you saw my Twitter, I was attacked by a giant hornet this morning. It was quite oh, terrifying. Yeah, I it was saw in that. my house. In my house, Boyd. In my house, this thing was. That did look horrific. Was. But I don't know where it came from. Like, I've not, like, did it come in with me last night when I got in? Like,
3: where?
4: <laughs> Where, how is it in the
3: house?
0: Um, it, and it, it was, it was. I, I couldn't even identify it. I was like, "This maybe it what came is from this? Titus Welliver. Maybe Titus Welliver brought it over
2: from America. Titus <laughs> I was like, yeah.
1: "Is this a murder
0: hornet? Is
2: this
1: what a
0: murder hornet is? It here to murder me? Oh uh, and so the obvious thing, as many of my people on Twitter point out, is was the the only way to be sure was to take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. So, uh, so that's what what I'm going to do. Anyway, that's not what we're here to discuss. We're here to discuss Gaz Brooks's question, which is Question for the pod Which show that has had its pilot episode air this year do you think will still be going strong in five years' time? Which is actually a very good question Mm -hmm. and a difficult one to answer. And obviously, the only answer is Bosch Legacy. So uh, I think we can, uh, and Beth in particular, 100% knows this. I mean, I say that jokingly, but obviously, Bosch ran for seven seasons. So it's not beyond the realms possibility that we can yeah. have Bosch Legacy in five years' time. So
1: and, hang on. I think actually now I've misunderstood the question. Oh, Do- amazing. <laughs> Do- do so you mean say, so, uh, something that started this year may well still be running as yes. a show in five years' time? Yes. <laughs>
3: well, what I do you think? What? What? The question, was. The question? What? Yes, I
1: misunderstood the question. I thought think like was? it would still endure and mean something in oh. five years' time. Oh, uh,
0: oh, I see. Well, you can ask and <laughs> um, answer that question if you like, Matt. Um, if you would prefer.
1: So it it will still be running for five years? Oh, well, I've fucked it.
3: (laughs) That's brilliant.
1: Well, do you know what? I'll just answer with what I had prepared and then we can just say it will be relevant in five years. And it also ties into news because uh, it was announced this week or last week, I forget what time is, um, (laughs) that Pachinko has been renewed for a second season and I finished watching that this week And. I think it's the best thing I've watched this year so far. I think it is absolutely astonishingly beautiful, brilliant, powerfully performed. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a post... <laughs> is couldn't be further from Marvel. There's a post-credits thing that happens in relation to where this story has come from and the inspirations for the story. I know it is based on a book, but also the characters within the the, the show. Uh, and it is incredibly moving and sweet and lovely. And I just, I can't say enough good things about the show. And it's been renewed for a second season now. And so I'm just going to go ahead and say that if they make it five seasons, then that's five years. Have I sort of pushed that into the the, mm, the that question works. what it, it was supposed to be
4: uh, kind of yeah. yeah I think that um, works
1: yeah and then I guess another pilot I liked this year and it felt like this show was five years long anyway was Station <laughs> Eleven so <laughs> that's <Well>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: yes
0: it's like it's a limited series and won't be running in five years but Beth feels like she'll still be watching it five years from now <laughs> that's how long it feels uh, I also wondered if they would if Raised by Wolves will get recommissioned every year just to spite t- you Beth i oh, god
1: to, I, oh god
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll
1: just quit <laughs> I'll just leave I can't I can't do it you can't do that no I can't do fair it. enough fair no. enough
0: I think I think slow horses won't make five years no. I reckon they've done the second season I reckon we'll get three seasons of that maybe uh, like no I'd love to see five but again I don't know how many books there are i presumably quite a few so there we could, get, few, could yeah. get five yeah you could easily so get maybe fight, slow like. horses but I feel given yeah. the people involved they might not want to do it for that long um, Vikings Valhalla given how long the original Vikings ran, could theoretically... But again, I'm not betting on that for five years. Reacher I'd quite like to see running in five years' time, given how many Reacher books there are. I'd quite like to see that happening. Um, But actually, of shows that had their first episodes this year tricky isn't
1: it it is a tricky one, especially when all the good stuff is like mainly miniseries or the kind mm-hmm. of format that really should only apply like i love the after party for example but i don't see that as a five season show
3: no
1: um because it's it's propulsive because of the fact that it chops and changes so much and and even something like that wouldn't have legs for five seasons
2: i think the best show of the year is severance And I do think Severance could go for five years, five seasons easily in a kind of, you know, it's such an intriguing universe that's created. And when you get to the finale and, you know, that brings in some new new ideas and new elements, I think that could go on um, definitely for five years. Um, I think Snow Horse is good as well, as you mentioned. Also Hacks,
0: I think, you know, Hacks does get in and on technicality because the pilot did air over here this year. So
3: exactly. Yeah, well that's, yeah. That's, yeah exactly. Okay, exactly. That's
0: what we're talking about. We're, yeah. we're a British podcast.
2: That's right. That's so right. That's, right. Yeah, it's good, so that's
0: good. good. Season two's nearly upon us. So Exactly. Exactly.
1: Well, it's also... nearly upon the US. I yeah. don't know when the absolute no. fuck we're getting it over here. Probably like probably <laughs> in five years. So that that will qualify, I guess. Yeah,
2: yeah. that's true. We haven't Stupid. been told yet. Yeah, annoying. Um right. I would mention two BBC shows that were um w- w- this is going to hurt. And I know that um, Adam Kay, the the um, the creator, is slightly reluctant to keep it going for, mm. for to turn it into he a long, long. He could years. though. He
1: could. It's a, it's a depiction of. It you could. Know. I, don't, I don't physically think I could watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't see him <laughs>
2: that, doing that. That season
1: was in, that that first series was incredible. but It, it took it Out yeah. of me. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: And the responder, the Martin Freeman, um, which is definitely returning. Um, you know that could,
0: that could easily carry on possibly possibly, but yeah actually of all the shows come out this year I think actually there aren't that many that I would want to I would want to put money on still running in five years but by the end Reach. of this year maybe we'll we will we re this Reach is the obvious one because there are so many books aren't there I mean
2: yeah. you know, why wouldn't yeah. they it, the guy the main guy he hasn't got that much other work <laughs> you know he's, he's lo- <laughs> lo- love him as Alan think. Richardson is Alan not Richardson. busy exactly uh, <laughs> um, so yeah. that could eat, that, I, I think they'll be mad if they didn't turn into a long running thing I mean why wouldn't you because yeah uh, no I agree
0: I agree yeah. I think th- that feels to me like the most likely because yeah. Bosch Legacy obviously is continuing Michael Connelly's but we've already had seven seasons of Bosch another five is possible but uh, and we're definitely getting season two of Bosch Legacy because that's been announced but yeah you're right Reacher seems like if I would to bet money on one show I mean it's we, one. we'll get to
2: the review later but the Lincoln Lawyer as well could
0: easily I mean that could easily could possibly for. as well again there are a lot of Mickey Haller books um yeah, yeah. we'll so get to so that possibly. later obviously we will get to that later. All right, well, I think that vaguely answers that question. Maybe we'll re- revisit that one at the end of the year and see where we stand. Uh, if you would like your question addressed on this very podcast, please do send it to us on Instagram or Twitter, whichever takes your fancy, at Pilot TV Pod. Time now for this week's first guest. Uh, And it is none other than Bosch himself, Mr. Titus Welliver. Uh, We reviewed Bosch Legacy on last week's show, not to mention hosting Titus, as you've heard, at last night's Bosch Legacy preview event. Uh, Bosch Legacy is not only best show of the year, but sees Welliver (coughs) reprise his role as Detective Harry Bosch and is now streaming on Amazon Freebie. Uh, Welliver himself has been in so many great things. I honestly don't know where to start, but let's just say his face is his warrant, and it gives him Permanent access to the Pilot TV podcast. Here is me talking to Titus Welliver.
5: Hey, Titus, how's it going? I know James from Empire Magazine, and you know how much I, you know how much I love Empire. We love you too. And it has to be said,
0: just for the record, I fucking love Bosch. And anyone who listens to this podcast will know that I'm slightly obsessed with this
5: show. So, well, cheers, mate. Cheers. That's the, that's because uh, you know I I don't I don't remember a magazine. Maybe fantastique If you remember that magazine from. From many many years ago um empire has uh has filled that void in the in the best way it's my I, I look through that uh like and this is probably an american thing like the the old sears catalog that you got at christmas <laughs> time that had all the toys in it i i, I lose my mind I, I i love your magazine and it's an, and i relish uh relish the arrival. Well, we,
0: uh, we do our best to geek out on everything. This uh, pilot has allowed us to sort of focus on small screen stuff because it's obviously never been a better time to be a TV fan. There's so much great stuff around. Um, there is. And on so many different networks. And obviously, Bosch was one of Amazon's first big... Hits. And I have to be said, when you know, I heard Seven was going to be the last season, I was mortified. So I'm thrilled to bits that you guys found a way to bring it back. Like, when did you find out that was going to happen? Was it while you were shooting Seven? Was it after it had wrapped? Like, when, what was the timeline?
5: Well, it was always kind of being bandied about, but it was kind of whisperings and suggestions, and nothing felt really concrete, you know. And, and there we were, you know, in the middle of the, uh, the early stages of this pandemic, just trying to, to get the show. Get that season completed. So mm. it was really laborious and 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 pretty intense. And so when you know when when those bits would sort of be discussed it, it was all, I, I, I didn't I don't want to say that I dismissed it. I just sort of would say, well, yeah, 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 but let's let's get this done. yeah. and um you know, and same for the producers and the writers. I mean, everyone was really fixated with their heads down. And it uh, there was nothing really concrete. It was really more of a of a discussion at that point. So when it uh, when it became a reality, the, the conversations, that dialogue was it, it, this looks like we're, this is going to happen, um, but you can't talk about it. It was difficult because I wanted to shout to the clouds. Because <laughs> I mean, I uh, I love playing this character so much to so be given the opportunity to continue to play him. But I also always think of things in terms of the fan base of the show because they're they're so you know beautiful and dedicated and really committed to the show. I thought I I, I wanted them to be able to know to you know to satiate their their appetite because it was for people were, were feeling, uh, and I get that because I experience, uh, uh, shows the same way, particularly when I become Mm -hmm. attached to something. Um, the idea of it going away, um, is, is very, very disappointing and and disconcerting. (laughs) Well I was going to
0: say like how much does does stuff like this get under your skin because as a viewer like we we feel that we know these characters we love these characters and it's kind of heartbreaking when you're separated from them like as as a performer is it the characters you get attached to is it kind of like the crew and the people making it like what is it that you latch onto
5: It's sort of all of the above to mm-hmm. tell you the truth because you do I mean our typically our schedule we're shooting from August until the first week of December and so we're together you know five days a week for months and months and months. And you become like a family Mm. and you know each other very, very well. You know, everyone's aware of each other's eccentricities and, um, and you find a way to, uh, you're all there really for the same reason, which is to get in, get the work done. And then, you know, hopefully get home and be able to be with your loved ones for, and and then, you know, maybe get, (laughs) uh, A a short amount of kip and then back to it, right? (laughs) And and that's what it is. And then there's the 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 camaraderie also with the cast. You become very very close, Mm. and you become close to your character. Um, and it's a little bit of um, you know, Christmas when when the scripts. I mean, obviously, I I have a sense and an understanding of you know what books we're choosing, and I've read the books and and literally narrated the books as well. (laughs) Yeah. So I but, you know, as the as the, the drafts are coming through, um, then it becomes, uh, you know, exciting mm. because you you sort of get to see where things are going and how how those those moments. And also because we take from the books, but then the books have to be sort of melded together. And then the writers have to kind of take all of that information and bring in some new stuff. So sometimes there's rights issues, a character, yeah. you know, the Mickey Holler character can't appear. So how do we, how do we fill that void? Cause we want to use this, this book. Um, it's just, uh, you know, it, 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 it's just, it's a wonderful experience mm. and, 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 you know, look, I've, I've had friends that have been on series that have run for 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 long periods of time and have been have been uh, uh, restless and discontent. Um, th- that's certainly not the case with this. Uh, and and it, you know when I was asked about uh, Bosch legacy, um, my, you know my answer sort of remains the same, which was the, the first day of shooting on the pilot, Michael Connolly asked me, "How long do you see yourself playing this character?" And I said, "I'll play him as long as they'll have me." And I and you know and the irony of that is that I, I love all of the books. But and I've said had this conversation with Michael several times, but I like the the older Harry um, because the older Harry gets the more uh, you know as anyone as we become older we become a bit more vulnerable we're yeah. not as fast um, we're not as strong um, and he's a character who's um, driven by his his wits and and his instincts and um and he still there's a consistency with the character, you know, he, mm. his his uh, sort of internal evolution is is somewhat minimal. It's more circumstantial. And uh, I, I find him in the later books sort of from the burning room forward um, because he's older. You know, he's, he's got some now, obviously, we're not we're not quite we're, we're using those those stories, but we don't we don't uh we're not playing the chronology of of the books so you know Harry in the books now is 70 something uh years old but he's still he's out there mm. he's still doing it so i i love the idea of being able to to play this character in a, in a sense of real time because i think he's he's more interesting and and i think uh, uh a little bit more dangerous as he gets older
0: this is such a strange show because it's not a spin-off it's and it's not Actual Bosch, but it's kind of Bosch because, as as you said, like he retires in the books, he becomes a PI, and that's yeah. And I think Michael Connolly said that's his favorite iteration of Bosch as well because the noir yeah. thing is what
5: inspired him to become a writer in the first place. Precisely, precisely, and I, and I feel I feel the same way about that because, uh, and and I think in some sort of you know through whatever the process of osmosis or <laughs> or the closeness of my relationship with with Michael Connolly, I I absorb that. And, and I can remember when The Burning Room was the first book that I recorded. And, uh, and I said to him at that time, I said, this is my favorite book. And then the next one would come out and I would go, well, actually, this <laughs> is my favorite book. And Mike said, you just seem to like Harry the older he gets. And I said, yeah, I do. I, I, I really do. And, I, and th- because there's a, there, there's a, there's a level, level of vulnerability. But with that vulnerability, he becomes more formidable. And that's kind of that's fun stuff to play. Like you you built up a lot of sort of a CV of sort of hard, sort of
0: like strong characters. But like, I've seen your, like, your, um, your mimic stuff that you do, which is fucking yeah. stand-up level funny. Like, it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. The thing you do with Kevin Pollock with the many degrees of Al Pacino just oh, destroyed yeah. me. And it's just like, I was like, this is a man who could just be caning it as, like, a, as a stand-up or a comic. And I'm just curious, like, you know, you've chosen a lot of dramatic roles. Was that a choice? Was that just a way it, it, it came together? Like, how did that work out?
5: You know, I mean... Quite honestly, I think that, uh, and I don't know, maybe, maybe it's because the way I look or or the way I sound, but I've just, uh, you know, uh, I can remember very early on in my career going in and auditioning for half-hour comedy shows and and things like that that were much lighter fare, and I and uh, and I I thought, well, you know, I leave the audition and go, well done, and and then <laughs> get the call and they go. Yeah, they like you, blah, 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 blah. And it's and they thought you were funny, but you're just not the guy. And you know what? I'm I'm actually I'm fine with that because I think the, the I get to have my cake and eat it, too, with Harry Bosch because it, he is uh, he's not humorless. He has a he has a good sense of humor. People mm. are always saying, well, he's a bit of a prick and, nah, 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 nah. and I say, I, you know, he, I don't know that he's a prick. He just doesn't subscribe to the to the social norms of, yeah. of politeness and he doesn't suffer fools. So if he sees something wrong, he's going to, you know, he's, he's going to call, he'll sort you out. Oh, we should all be more Bosch. Yeah. I think everybody should be <laughs> a little more like Bosch. You know, I, I, uh, I, I try to be a little bit more like Bosch sometimes. And, and, and he kind of chooses his, his battles. I think he's sort of a guy who uh, I've always found him to be just really uh, an observer. But when he, when he sees something that's, that's wrong, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, uh, a a cop, a uniform cop rookie on the street or, or chief Irving, Hmm. He, he sorts people out and he, and he, and he does it. He's a blunt instrument, you know, at, 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 at least, which, which makes him kind of fun because, you know, but, but people take the piss and he, you know, he accepts it. He's got a sense of humor. And so, to me, I'd rather play that level of humor than the whack a whack a whack a yeah. stuff. Although, you know me, I'm a total I'm a total geek. I love doing, you know, voice work for anime. I did a uh I did, you know, Batman. Yeah. And I love all that stuff because I'm the, I'm the target audience for the people always joke about that. They think, "Oh, what's the one thing that somebody wouldn't know about you?" And I said, "Well, it used to be, and it's not that I was closeted about it, but I'm a massive comic book fan and a, and a toy collector. And, I've
0: seen your collection. It's insane.
5: Yeah. And a, and a sci-fi freak, <laughs> um, much to the chagrin of, of the woman that I share my life with. although <laughs> She's actually kind of thrown up her hands and, and given up and just said, have
0: at it. I mean, because you, you're taking this stuff because obviously you were in Star Trek Voyager, weren't you? Back in 99, the Equinox Departure. Yeah. So that's one yeah. of the Trekkie hit list. And you were on The Mandalorian relatively recently as well.
5: Yeah. Which was for me... Well, uh, Rice Howard is, uh, she's an old friend of mine. So when I got the call, I thought she, I thought they were taking the piss just because, and Pedro Pascal is an old friend of mine. So I lost my mind when I knew that they were even doing a show called the Mandalorian and the in and Disney plus that whole thing for me was, you know, they might as well just call it the Titus channel because it's just, a, it's one stop shopping, mate, everything that I want in one spot. And, uh, So when I got the call and when I when I went for my fitting and they're putting me in the Imperial officer uniform, I I think they thought I I was I was putting them on. (laughs) But I really I lost I lost my mind. And then to be on the set was uh, was amazing. I mean, the 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 practical sets, I mean, they have that big sphere. Yeah, the LED thing, Hmm. which is beyond belief. I mean, that in itself is is incredible. Because when you watch the show, I challenge people to even people that I know that work in the VFX industry will say to me, it's seamless. But the whole uh, experience of, of walking on to the bridge of that ship and having stormtroopers around me. And I I mean, I really had to, to maintain some self-control. Oh no, I feel you a hundred percent. But the question is, will there be a sideshow collectible of Imperial captain like that you can get hold of? You know, I'm pushing hard for that. I'm pushing very, very hard for that. Uh, There's a guy who actually made, um, he uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he he kitbashes and, and does customized figures and his and his work is unbelievable. I mean, literally episode of The Mandalorian would come out or, or Boba Fett would come out and a week later, he'd have all the characters that were in that specific episode. <laughs> yeah I mean I'd love to have hire this guy and just have him on a retainer to just make these figures for me uh, and obviously the anticipation of uh obi-wan coming out is uh it, it's uh, it's hard to shake It's a good time to be a geek at the moment I would say it's uh... it's a great time to be a geek <laughs> it's a great time and you know and look what else is coming out you know the the Tolkien books were were for me uh uh part of growing up. Uh, literally felt like it was sort of one of the first big boy books that my dad gave me um, to read after he'd already read me the Hobbit and that Amazon has got this, you know, it's epic, 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 incredibly Um, expensive, but let's
0: hope they spent it in a good way.
5: Well, I, yeah, I can assure you, I mean, and I'm (laughs) not uh, talking out of school because I've not really seen anything. I've not seen anything more than anyone else has, but obviously I, I I know uh, people, the executives that have, been you know working endlessly on this and it it will it will really really be something that i think will in the same way that when when peter jackson did the original films i think it'll be a, an enormous game changer mm. uh, and it's great to see these things realized you know dune for me was great i i love david lynch's dune i you know i i i dig that film And watch it and watch it a a million times. But this new version, uh, having grown up reading those books over and over and over again, it is. It's a great time to be a geek. Amazing. Well,
0: I could geek out with you all day, but I know you've got other interviews to do. (laughs) Likewise. uh, I look forward to seeing you again. Cheers. It's great to see you right shall we get on to this week's news what has been happening in the world other than i'm going to assume the variety of trailers that we got this week so i'm going to ask you guys did you watch the house of the dragon trailer yes yes what did you think
1: i have fallen so far out of the loop with game of friends a lot of it I just didn't engage with a lot of it. But I know I'll watch and, and instantly get drawn into it, but, but that trailer, it felt like a lot of winks and nods and nudges towards the Game of Thrones world and the books and you know the heritage of the characters we've already seen. And and I'm just over that at the moment. So I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks impressive. I love Olivia Cook. Um, that that was a big win, seeing her in all her glory with a dagger looking pretty badass. I mean, obviously, I'm going to watch it. I just, a lot of it, I was not engaging with. I was just like. A Targaryen? What was their thing again? What was like right? Okay. This is
0: causing me
2: physical pain. You know that, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, James we'll explain it to you.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. At length. How
1: oh much time God. have you got? Yeah, I have a hard out, so we will stop you there. <laughs> what uh, what
0: what what um it remind me, did you did you finish Game of Thrones?
1: I finished Game of Thrones, yep. Okay, I felt good. the bitter sting of the final season. It's fine. Um it's and fine. I think just, just because of that, maybe I even like maybe I had some authority over like separating myself from Game of Thrones. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I like consciously uncoupled from it after that. <laughs> and then this is kind of bringing it back to me. But yeah, I watched it. I just, I felt, yeah, pretty like a lot of people. I felt pretty disappointed Yeah. Um, with the final season. So yeah, no, I, I watched it and I'm intrigued. I'm just not engaged with that world anymore but i'm sure as soon as it flares up i'll be like oh this guy
0: <laughs> it's uh it's very wiggy yeah
2: it's matt smith very very particularly wiggy um yeah. long kind of blonde mullet things you're going on um <laughs> extraordinary but what I, I really i i felt like the whole thing was like this is game of thrones yeah <laughs> it's
3: yeah, just yeah. fucking game of thrones right? don't worry about
2: it <laughs> Don't worry yeah. about it. Fact, it just, just, it's basically Game of Thrones, the legacy. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I'm here for it. It's, I thought it was really exciting, I have to say. I thought it was really... I mean, it just looks like it's got the... For me, like, immediately looked more compelling and interesting than all of those imitation Game of Thrones shows that I consider to be imitations anyway, that James has probably read the original 12-volume novel series of and would champion anyway. <laughs> but all of those <laughs> kind of other fantasy, you know, shows that we've had to review on this this podcast that were mostly like fine or you know fine to slightly dull to not particularly gripping and you know i'd watch the first couple of episodes and never really finished them and there's about three or four of them this felt just from the trailer to me oh i'm going to be pretty gripped by this thing it just had that texture to it that game of thronesy something about the way those sto- the story is told, and and these mm. talents behind it, and the cast. I mean, the cast is like every great British actor who wasn't in Game of Thrones is actually in this.
0: Um, so I'm, yeah, I was quite excited, I have to say. Yeah, mm. I, I was very, 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 very pleased with this one. Enjoyed it an awful lot. Uh, did you guys watch the Obi One trailer? Yes. Beth, do you have similar feelings about that? <laughs> I
1: am <laughs> excited about the cast in this one. I think a big. Be- one of the many qualms I had with Boba Fett is that they were kind of really forcing us to kind of try and care about people we didn't really know very much about, most of whom were wearing like helmets and stuff. I'm a big fan of the Safdie brothers. So to see Betty Safdie as a Jedi, I'm pretty excited to see. Kumar Nunjiani obviously is wonderful and I think will be such a such a great presence in this. Um, and you McGregor just looks like he's having loads of fun. He he does, he's doesn't having he? a lot of fun to be back. Um, so yeah, I am. I am excited about this. Obviously, a, a wavering relationship with Star Wars over the past few years. Um, Haven't we all? But you know, maybe we had to have Boba Fett to get Obi Wan. So in maybe. which case. This this should be absolutely fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it should.
0: It's intrigued me. It has my attention mm. in a way that maybe it didn't when they announced it. Um, and like I say, I think the first trailer did an awful lot of work using Duel of the Fates, I think, to capture people's attention. But this y- y- bringing in the Vader stuff could either work wonderfully or be yeah. a catastrophe. Of yeah. Just you know, Alderon esque levels. Uh, so I, I, I'm I'm mildly concerned, but also we've been hurtful, haven't mm. we? Yeah, I feel before. like I'm returning to a slightly abusive relationship. Is what I'm doing here, and it's just like I, I'm not sure yeah. this is a good idea. Yeah, could be bad,
2: buddy. Uh, I think it'll be fine. I don't. I, I don't think it's. Um, I don't think you'll feel thanks. too. Abused. No, but I don't think you'll be. You'll be too abused. I think, I think. Yes, I think it has to have all that the Vader stuff and. um you know it's oh, partly yeah. What, yeah it's partly what makes it so thrilling really is that stuff so I'm fine with it and I mean what you really worried about like the last Star Wars film is that what you're talking about you think that's like
1: and Boba Fett as well, well yeah
2: that
3: and Boba too Fett, oh, Boba
0: yeah. Fett yeah. But, but Boba Fett's fine because it takes place outside the canonical timeline it's just a, yeah. it's a thing that you can ignore and I think when you yeah. start fucking about with the legacy characters mm. within the timeline of those films <laughs> you can no longer ignore it and they're pissing in the swimming pool and that <laughs> Isn't okay. fun for anyone Fine. involved. Do not piss in my swimming pool. Yeah.
2: I don't have that same level of um, obsessive investment. So um mm. uh, I oh. they can piss in the swimming pool a bit and I won't be too annoyed. No, no. I know not
1: Hayden Christians am pissing at my swimming pool. Thank okay. That's how I feel.
0: That's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> I feel.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh what else? What else has happened this week, people? Well, there's a dairy girls joy.
2: <gasps> mm. Dairy girls surprise which is that, yeah, there's an extra episode. So we were told that this is the sixth part, final third and final series. But on the, um, whatever it is of May, the day after the series finale, the normal series three finale airs, which is called Halloween, by the way, um, there's an extra special episode that they secretly filmed effectively without telling us. There not only is an extra special episode which takes place a year later, it's going to tell the story of their final year. Um, all the main characters, the Dairy Girls, and the and, and the English boy, and against the backdrop of the Troubles and the Good Friday Agreement, how it all led to the historic signing of the Good Friday Agreement, and there was a um, a vote on it, referendum for it as well. So um, just the fact that there's an extra special extended episode the next day, um, oh, it's fantastic news. It's basically 45 minutes plus. It's basically an hour and a bit on TV with the ads, but extra Dairy Girls. What more could you want?
1: Oh, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Did you I that was what I watched this week as well was the most recent episode of that and that had some interesting developments I was very on board with. It was very... Yeah,
0: I know what you mean, yeah, Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of pissing in swimming pools, as we did earlier, and indeed Star Wars (laughs) pissing in swimming pools, uh, Ian McDiarmid, Emperor Palpatine himself, has mentioned that fans should expect to see his character return in an upcoming Disney Plus series. So as Oscar Isaac once lamentably said, somehow Palpatine has returned again. Deep sighs all round.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, What Mm. else have we got? Oh, we're getting... uh, I mean, I don't know how I feel about this, but we're getting Viola Davis reprising Amanda Waller in Peacemaker spin-off series. So we're now at the spin-off of a spin-off era of showmaking. And I love Viola Davis. And she was the straight arrow that needed to be in the chaotic, wild bonanza that was Suicide Squad and then Peacemaker. A spin-off is spin-off. It's too far now. It's too far, I think. I don't know. But then I loved Peacemaker. So will it be really good? But then could we... Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just... I'm very confused. <laughs> I'm just very confused and I don't really know how to feel about it.
0: Well, in slightly better news, Cobra Kai Season 5 has a date. It's coming on the 9th of September. That is exciting news. And Yellow Jackets has a production start. So that's going to begin shooting uh, in late summer. Hashtag justice for Jackie. Um, Slightly less... Hashtag justice for Jackass because Jackass on the, uh, you know, given how well the last film went down, will be returning as a series on Paramount Plus, a Jackass revival series. This is something the world neither wanted nor asked for. Why oh, is this occurring? Please. Make I, it stop.
1: No, it did really well. It did very well for a reason, James. People love it. I yeah, can't, everyone
0: loved. I the, can't. Everyone even. loved the film, didn't they? Except James. Everyone
1: except everyone really James. Jack- yeah.
0: Also, the CW has cancelled both Batman and. Legends of Tomorrow. So both of those little Arrowverse shows yeah. are, are no longer.
2: Did you see the Kim, Kim Cattrall um, talking about the Sex in the City situation? And, um, no. the, and just like that situation. Yeah, she gave a big speech. Uh, I think it was a variety event, Power of Women Dinner. And she talked about how the power of saying no and how she said that um, after the second film she was just done she was clearly aware of how fucking terrible that second film is was yeah. um i was like i am not everything in me went is the quote i'm done um after filming that she said that she wasn't asked to take part in and just like that anyway but she definitely wouldn't have done if they had have asked her <laughs> um mm. and she also interestingly gathered like all the talents behind sex and the city like uh, darren star who actually created sex and the city originally and then is now no longer involved in it. michael patrick king is now is kind of took over and runs the shows and directed the films. He was there for this event, as was the original, you know, um, the original writer of the books. And it was almost like, a, who didn't have anything to do with the the, the new series either. It was almost like she gathered her troops of the anti and just like that team to, to back her up in this big event where she publicly, you know, kind of renouncing the return of that character and all the references to that character in the, and just like that situation. I found the whole thing fascinating.
1: Oh, wow. Could you imagine if she showed mm. up now in season two, that would be such a, yeah. such a baller move. <laughs>
2: it would be, yeah, fucked off Vader and, um, whoever Palpatine, that would be, that would be the
0: coup of coups. <laughs> yeah, that
3: would
1: be incredible.
0: We interrupt your regularly scheduled programming with this special, timely news drop in, uh, post TV BAFTAs, uh, which happened last night. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say Boyd was there. Is this right, Boyd? Of course, of course. Of course, <laughs> I was How was the BAFTAs? There, yeah. Did you enjoy yourself? What did you eat?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the BAFTAs were fine. I enjoyed myself a lot and I ate some chicken with some like vegetables and <laughs> stuff. Yeah, and a lovely chocolate BAFTA. Oh, chocolate BAFTA dessert. Yeah, delicious.
1: That BAFTA yeah. looked terrifying. And it's like a Lynchian BAFTA when I saw it on your Instagram stories. As it morning. is, isn't
2: it? You're right. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit like it's a Bafta face gone slightly wrong. Yeah, Yeah, and a slightly horrific. Yeah, Lynchy and tasty. I'm hoping. Yes, it was delicious. Yeah, it was very nice. So, what did we think of the results? No, I mean the the, the talk of the town was um, the fact that. Uh, it's a sin. Did not win. It didn't win mm. any of the awards it was up for last night. It has already won two Baftas. Let's make this clear. People are saying it was nominated for eleven. Hasn't won any. That is factually wrong. It won for the directing, which is a big award. Let's face it. Uh, in, the, in you know, in films, directing is like the big, practically the second biggest award. In the TV Baftas, it's on, on in the Craft Awards, which happened like three weeks ago. But anyway, it won for that and editing, also crucial. But for the nine other awards it was up for last night, it did not win any of those. And there was general, I would say, astonishment. Mm. that it didn't and specifically it, it, all all the actors involved were up for awards and I guess you know in some ways you could say they possibly cancelled themselves out you know to have three actors from the show for example in Best Supporting Actor um, Matthew McFadden won for Succession who obviously is a legend so that was fine but and it lost out in its, dra- in its drama category drama miniseries category to time the prison drama with Stephen Graham and Sean Bean which was a surprise I do think and the weird thing about that one more weird thing about that is that this is like for limited series, you know, self-contained series. It's the scene. Landscapers was nominated. Stephen and time, but time is going to come back. So time is in fact a returning series, even yeah. though it was entered in the. R- Presumably, it was
3: eligible
0: so, when it was entered. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. exactly it was. It's yeah, just not anymore. <laughs>
3: Sneaky.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: It's just that's a slightly weird. If you're a Bafter nerd like me, it's a slightly
0: weird situation, I have mm. to say. Yeah. And We Are Lady parts did not emerge triumphant. I was not screaming Sparta at the screen, which is very disappointing.
1: <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, that was, uh, I, that was the one show I haven't seen from that category of, of best comedy actress. So I, yeah, I walked away from that slightly. Underwhelmed, but that is on me for not having seen the show. So,
0: (laughs) which, uh, what Alma's not, yeah,
1: Alma's not always, it's the the one that I haven't seen. (laughs) I
0: mean, to be fair, it is very good. It's no We Are Lady parts, but (laughs) but it is very
2: good. (laughs) And Sophie Willen is a phenomenon. Yeah, she was brilliant. She was absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah, winning that. I can't good. believe. I, I'm, ama- I'm amazed. that you liked it, uh, James. By the way. Well, no,
0: it wasn't my kind of show. But I remember we watched it. Terry no. loved it. But I remember thinking this is my kind of show. But she's fantastic. Like, I thought it was good. It's just not. It's not really me. Yeah. Too right. few spaceships, right. really, for me. But um, yeah. But should we should we quickly run through the things? So obviously, leading actress Jodie Comer for help. Yeah, that- I don't think anyone can really argue yes. with that. No,
1: can they? no, hard end.
0: No, no. I mean, you know, were you expecting Kate Winslet to state that? Or were you thinking Jodie Comer all along? Boy.
2: Um, I thought Kate Winslet might take it, to be honest, but then, between the two of them, in the end, Help is the more emotionally, you know, devastating show, isn't it, when it comes to... Yeah, so it wasn't a surprise, I would say.
0: No, I agree. Although, although, and, you know, you say this, but the thing that kind of really kind of threw me from that is, as you say, it is the most, you know, powerful show, and yet, when it came to single drama, Help did not win, and instead, Together won. Now, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed Together, but that seems mental
2: i i agree i think i think i think that was the biggest shock of the night for me i mean i didn't really like together I ha- much i mean it had its moments but it, it was the sharon hogan um uh What's his name? McAvoy. James McAvoy. Lockdown. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lockdown drama. I found it very stagey, very theatrical. Yeah. Um, but you're right. For help not to win, and help was like you know that was an amazing insight into the whole issue of care homes and dementia, and it was unbelievably moving. And for that not to win, I, I was stunned. I have to say, yeah, absolutely yeah. stunned and shocked. It seems of the two COVID one
0: shots, that was definitely the better of the two. Yeah. Hey
2: ho. And even what you- I mean, also I am Victoria. You know, was at the I am also true. Was, but mm-hmm. which we love. Yeah, that was brilliant as well. So yeah. it, generally, I, I think there was a, there was general surprise, and Sharon Hawker wasn't even there, so it was like, oh, well, that's, huh. that's she, even <laughs> she didn't
3: think she was going to win. Uh, yeah,
0: and she won Motherland one as well. So uh, leading actor, then Sean Bean for time again. Can't really argue with that either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't Stephen Graham so. for help would have been possibly like. Yeah, I'd have time. I mean, to be honest, that whole category was really, really hard to, to yeah. split out.
1: Yeah, I would. Uh... Hugh Horshi go, yeah.
0: for Stephen, Oli Alexander for It's a Sin, uh, Samuel Adam for You Don't Know yeah. Me. I mean, pretty strong across the board. I think we can all agree. But yeah, Sean Bean. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Any the sad thing was, I think I'm pretty sure they were all there, right? Except Sean Bean,
0: who was filming on a flight to. Uh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, so that was also <laughs> gutting that, that he wasn't there yeah. anyway. Yeah. Drama series then winner in my skin. Yes.
1: Yeah.
2: In my skin is Joe Hartley from um, Ricky Joseph's Afterlife, you know, the brilliant Joe Hartley. She's yeah. the mother d- who, who's got uh, who who has got mental health issues. Right. And it's all about her daughter, that her daughter's kind of ashamed of that initially. It started out, in, it was commissioned as a comedy, as a one-off comedy, right, years ago, mm. a, a few years ago. And then the the writer um, turned it into a um, a drama, basically. She said in the speech last night, she said, that, it started as a comedy, then I gave them the scripts and they're all dramas. They're clearly, clearly a drama. <laughs> so it's an unusual... Hybrid half-hour drama uh, on BBC Three, um, and Kaylee Llewellyn writes it, and she's absolutely brilliant. I spoke to her last night; she was absolutely thrilled, couldn't believe it. But it is—it is a surprise, you know. It's a—it's a, it's a small-scale little j ge- absolute gem of a show, and it was up against big hitters like Manhunt, the ITV. Thing mm. which is a huge hit, Unforgotten, our favorite, I think, favorite yep. of the pod, and Vigil again, which we, which I think we loved pretty yeah, much. So yeah. it was a surprise, a little bit of a surprise, but it has been picking up lots of awards in my skin, to be great fair. for
1: BBC Three as well. While they're really kind of yeah. invigorating themselves, that's it, that's a big win,
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, male performance in a comedy program, Beth.
1: Hey. <laughs> one for you <laughs> yes uh, I mean yeah yeah I mean especially because he's been so open about the fact that he had a real problem getting this season off the ground like he had writers' as block for like eight months and really struggled with it so for him to walk away with that Is fantastic and a great um, photo. You haven't
2: named him. (laughs) Jamie Dimitriou for Stafflet's Flats. (laughs) Who is the mystery man
1: of which you speak? I haven't had my coffee yet and I do just feel like I'm just arguing with James normally (laughs) rather than just like recording an actual podcast. Yes, Jamie Dimitriou for Stafflet's Flats um a great yes. photo of it <laughs> him in a bathroom this morning with it resting on a Dyson airblade <laughs> <laughs> in what else he was the master yeah. toilets um so yeah very very obviously just very very happy that that's happened whether that means we will definitely get a fourth series or not is unclear
2: but yeah I don't know
1: they seem yeah.
5: they
2: seem pretty I think uh, um someone one of the actors one of the other cast members said they're going to do other stuff first yeah and then maybe they'll go back to it. Yeah. So I think there may be in a, in a few years' time. Yeah. He was very funny. His acceptance speech was very funny. He said he can't, he can't. He, ha- he promised himself he had to stop himself from singing, from breaking into song. And that became like a <laughs> oh, funny running you. joke. But to, but for him to beat, he beat Joseph Gilgan, Shuti Gatwa, who we may get I on gonna to say, next. I was going to say, I think shooting Gatwa him. was
0: robbed in this category. However, he's had a pretty good day wow. yesterday. So I think we can get him off. So we have a, qu- a brief sidetrack here, boy? This Is this a good opportunity?
2: Yes. Go
5: on yes. then.
0: Well, a major sidetrack.
2: And made, really, we we set up. We we decided to do this podcast extra effectively. Obviously, post Baftas because we we need to cover the Baftas. But what a genius bit of publicity! Yeah, and this was I spoke to Russell T Davis, and he was his idea to announce the morning of the TV Baftas uh, the new Doctor who is shooting Gatwa from certification. So it's immediate. He was there nominated presenting an award on the red carpet everyone was obsessed obviously with it and thrilled and delighted and so it kind of overtook the whole thing brilliantly absolute stroke of genius by Russell um because it's just all anyone was talking about mm. and it was it was fantastic yeah and it's an, an total as soon as I saw yeah. it because I've been I was I hosted it's a sin thing at bafta last week it's not my fault they didn't win any awards but I did host <laughs> the thing and and the whole cast was there yeah. Ollie Alexander all the ho- they're all there and I was thinking one of these people is the new doctor yeah and I and I remember thinking which one is it going to be yeah. and I have to be very well behaved and and I was like and then it turned out to be shooting and it totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Like, it, as soon as you see it, it's like, oh genius. Because he's brilliant he in sex education, he isn't he, he? is incredible. And he's like he a he proper, is. charismatic force of nature. His
1: <laughs> energy is is in, like fresh and fun. And I love in sex education. Even his runaway lines are hysterical. And yeah. his confidence that he brings to screen is incredible and i just love that absolutely i can pretty confidently say nobody saw this coming like nobody saw this coming at all so when it broke i mean
2: i tell you one person one person i know julia rayside who's done this podcast actually once or twice um in the early days julia's and she's and she retweeted her tweet from about two years ago Uh saying she to was going to be the new doctor. But that's so she did. Fair play it, to her. But yeah, you're right. They kept it a secret. Yeah. Play yeah. played to her, but they kept it a secret brilliantly. There was no. You're right. None of the betting. No. I looked at the betting. It was an absolute triumph. Yeah. yeah.
3: See, I love it for everyone.
0: I feel like this might be the thing that makes me watch Doctor <laughs> Who. Yeah. Right. At the very <laughs> least, I would definitely watch. watch the first couple yeah. because. Yeah. I love him so much, and I think he's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So I don't know. Like Twitter although- is ablaze,
2: James, with will James have to watch Doctor Who <laughs> no. now? <laughs> All of everyone's asking. It's the question on everyone's lips. Oh. It is clearly.
0: I don't know. We'll see. I'm 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 pretty excited because how much on a level one standpoint, How much did it annoy you? The number, the sheer number of headlines that were saying Shoo Gatwell will be the new Doctor Who. Were you like, that's not his name? I think you're right. Oh, it's the Doctor. It? No. <laughs> But you know, funnily enough, I think you'll
2: find among Who fans, Whovians, we don't mind that anymore. It's officially fine. In fact, I I <laughs> actually heard with my own ears Russell T Davis saying, "Yes, the new Doctor Who. Wow, He's, it's it's fine. It's absolutely fine because <laughs> it's a bit. Just say the new. It's Doctor Who. That's the show. It's kind of is his name anyway. Now, in a way, in a in a roundabout. So it's fine. Star Trek mm-hmm. fans wouldn't stand for this shit. Yeah, that's the difference <laughs> between Trekkies. To and, be fair, yeah, and, yeah that is the, one of many differences. Beth. <laughs> uh, one yes. of many many differences. Russell T Davis, what Russell was saying about is they start filming this week. Wow! And um, there's the the the, um, feature length special that's going out uh, in in autumn, which will be um, Jodie Whittaker's last episode. And then they do the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who specials. What they'll be filming for next year, and Russell's written them, and he was like, they are fucking epic because it is going to go huge. I, it's going to go massive, exciting in terms of like budget, ambition,
0: scale. And shooting Gatwa. So yeah. Wow. So actual sets made of non-cardboard. This is very exciting times for Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> that we do get angry about. that cliche.
3: Yeah. Shots fired. Shots, Shots
0: fired. Huge. Sorry, Shots I am fired. kidding. Of course, I am kidding. Um, okay, fine. Shooting Gatwa. They're not male performance in the comedy program, but the new Doctor. So it all works out quite well. Uh, what else <laughs> yeah. have we got? Mini series was obviously time. Again, yeah. you know, yeah. it, could, it could have gone It's a Sin, it could have gone Time. I mean, again, it, the other ones, Stephen, Landscapers, like it was a pretty packed category, that one. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, Landscapers was fantastic, wasn't it?
1: It was very inventive. I liked it very much, but... Um...
2: I actually think the fact that It's, it's a Sin didn't win, it would still be remembered as if it did. I mean, it's almost like, you know, it's like people would just be like, It's a Sin was the most amazing thing. Mm. And... It, The detail is it didn't actually win
0: the BAFTA, but yeah, carry on. Female performance in the comedy programme, as we've mentioned, Sophie Willen for Alma's Not Normal. No, Rose Matafayo, sorry, Beth.
1: I know, I know.
0: Yeah, and mm. John of a son. Actually, I was I was secretly rooting for for that one. Well, not really secretly. I was just rooting for her. But uh,
1: I'll be honest. Ev- everyone else in that category I was rooting for just again because I haven't you've seen, not her, seen, I seen it. Normal yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, and Amy Lee Wood is fantastic in Sex Education. But no, Sophie Wilmot is yeah. very very good in that show. So, so fair enough. Uh, we're going to skip over reality and constructed. Sorry, Boyd. Uh, <gasps> supporting actor Matthew McFadden, Succession. <laughs> of course, um, Yeah.
1: What an export that man is <laughs> on that <Yeah>. show. <laughs>
0: Maybe He's I'm uh, biased because yeah. I'm not a successionist, but I, I, Stephen Graham, was my pick for this for time. Okay. I was a little bit disappointed there. But okay. what
2: are you going to do? Okay, yeah, but I think Matthew McFally
0: in that role he he is
2: the MVP of Succession, isn't he? Yeah, and um, particularly like in was the last like season,
1: delicious yeah. for him. He had so much yeah. fun stuff to do with it, and he really ran with it to the point now where I just can't watch like Pride and Prejudice anymore because all <laughs> I see is this character <laughs> ruined. Mm. He's ruined that film.
6: Amazing.
0: Uh, yeah completely yeah scripted <laughs> totally, comedy totally motherland yeah. the final season of motherland right uh so yeah yeah over alma's not normal over Statlet's flats and over we are lady parts i mean i can't argue with that to be fair i like i love we are lady parts and you know alma's not normal is good and statletts flats is a show but uh but motherland is is pretty <laughs> incredible and i think motherland <laughs> especially because that final season of motherland was so far and away the best like it was absolutely nailed on like it was brilliant Best, like okay, fine. I'll accept. Uh, yeah. that. I, can't, sure, I do
2: agree sure. with you. I have to say, I hate to, I hate to agree with James <laughs> on on anything. But um, it was, it was. I love Motherland. I really love Motherland. And, and you're right. It's about. I think possibly in danger of being taken for granted because all all of it. It's been brilliant from the start. Mm. And I agree with you. The last season series was the best ever. Um, so I was really. I saw Holly Walsh, who's one of the main creator co-writers, and she was very. uh She listens to the podcast. Shout out to her, um, and she was in great form
0: and completely thrilled that they'd won. Fantastic. Uh, and then, last category, I think we've got here is single drama, which we've already talked about, which was together, which was in many ways a travesty. <laughs> but hey ho, it was a sl-
2: it was a shock. Yeah, it was a shock. It shows you these juries; anything can happen. Anything can happen you know, you know, with these, these cr-
0: the awards jury. This crazy little way they do it, but
1: um, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Did you see together, Beth?
1: No, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, fair okay, it was
2: fine. It was, <laughs> fine. No, it was fine. Okay,
1: okay, it was fine. Okay. It was fine.
0: It was very stagey and theatrical. Yeah, it was no. <laughs> I am Victoria, and it was no help. But there we go. No, and I think that's. Bro- oh no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Supporting actress, we've completely missed out. Supporting actress, which was Kathy Tyson for. Help.
1: I can't really remember that performance, but if they say it's BAFTA worthy, then I'm not inclined to disagree. It's the most diplomatic way I could respond <laughs> to that win.
3: <weird.
1: laughs> <Boy, what did laughs>
2: she was one of the patients in in the home, I believe, and she uh, she's a fucking legend. So I was really pleased because okay. Kathy Tyson, you know, going back, yeah, decades, yeah. and she was brilliant. She was very taken aback, really, really, really like thrilled to win. So I, I think that was a very popular choice, actually. Um, yeah, she's brilliant.
0: Excellent. Anything else we would like to
2: say? So, James, you, you're not mentioning Anton Dick winning Best Entertainment <laughs> Program? Strangely <Eventually> not. <laughs> Big Zoo.
0: <laughs> Big Zoo? I, no. I, winning two I don't know what that is. I don't understand it.
2: <laughs> don't know what that is. Genuinely no. don't understand um, it. What is okay. Big Zoo's Big Eats? Oh, God. It's a show on Dave where Big Zoo, who's a funny like comedian slash chef slash just general um, great guy, interviews comedians while cooking stuff for them in like a takeaway kind of situation. He's also got acting soon in a show coming up, which we'll probably review. So you'll get to find out who Big Zoo is. Eventually, I want one more thing. Factual series, uprising, which is Steve mcqueen's remember Steve McQueen produced <laughs> yeah. a documentary? Yeah, got
1: absolutely yes, which no was brilliant. Fanfare whatsoever. So I'm so pleased that it's won it this. Was,
2: yeah, yeah, and th- and they had all the people who were involved in that in that New Cross fire, yeah. like the survivors, on stage. Yeah, with him collecting the audience and that was uh, that was a great moment. That was an unbelievable moment. <laughs> yeah, so, a real yeah, that um, was exciting,
1: definitely. Yeah. and I love that. um the Underground Railroad one for International. Oh, yeah. Over, over... We should have mentioned that, yeah. Probably some of the biggest shows Succession. of the last year. This one came in because, again, it's it's one that's kind of snuck under the radar a little bit, partly maybe because it's on Prime, but also it just, yeah. yeah, again, just did not receive quite as much fanfare as you'd hoped, given how absolutely... So, yeah, this is Barry Jenkins' uh show um that went out on Prime yeah. late last year, I think it is, and and has some absolutely extraordinary performances in it. So, and looks absolutely stunning um so i'm really pleased yeah. that that got a kind of underdog win
2: yeah and i saw Jeremy, jesse armstrong um before the award started and i he asked me what i thought was going to win and i said um succession was definitely going to win yeah. <laughs> and um was <of> <laughs> completely proven wrong yeah. by that so it was up against what a category though call my agent yeah Lupin, my favorite mayor of east town legendary mm-hmm. squid grain iconic and succession so that was a, a fucking that category is literally like six of the greatest shows of recent times. So it was, it kind of wasn't a surprise that it won because it was a great show, as you say. But I would still, I would still think Succession yeah. is the best thing. So yeah. I was slightly gutted.
0: Well, then, that was the TV BAFTAS. Look at us being all up to date with our news for a change. <laughs> uh, okay, good for a change. Back to your regularly scheduled podcast. <laughs> Let's move on now to our second guest. Now, Tehran begins its second season this friday on apple tv plus uh for anyone who has watched this this follows a Mossad agent played by niv sultan who embarks on her first mission in the titular iranian capital uh and not only do we have niv with us on this week's show but her co-star the legendary glenn close is also with us to talk about the show's return Uh, and here they are talking to a mon woman
4: we are delighted to be joined on the pilot tv podcast by two of the stars of tehran glenn close and niv sultan how are you both
7: Hello, we're, hello. we're great. Good. Hello Very from good. New
4: York. <laughs> and hello to you from London. Uh, congratulations on the show. I've seen the first few episodes of season two. I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, neve I'm going to start with you. This is season two now. Do you remember when you first realized that Tehran was a hit?
6: Um, no, I, I totally remember. I couldn't imagine it happening. I remember when I got the audition. I remember I read... The, the the lines and I, I was thinking it has to be mine. But from this position to this, to that, to where I'm sitting here next to Glenn and we're talking about second season here in New York, I couldn't imagine and it's amazing.
4: Can you compare what it was like stepping on set for the first time in season one all the way back then compared to stepping on the set for the first time in season two with that success all behind you now?
6: I have to say uh, for me, it, like I'm putting Glenn aside for a minute. It was uh, the same experience because I'm very, I'm overthinking always. Every scene, um, nervous, like nervous, nervous me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting nervous by everything. I, I can't remember not even one scene when I, came on set super easy breezy. Um, So still the work is still happening and we put a lot of effort in season two and in season one. Uh, But this time I had Glenn. (laughs) So that was the huge difference.
4: Absolutely. And for you, Glenn, what was it like jumping onto this moving train?
6: Well, um,
7: I had been studying Farsi for two, two and a half months, perhaps before, before I left. To join the company. So, I think the most, the thing I was most nervous about when I first started was Farsi, because the first scene we shot, I spoke most of my lines in Farsi. So, um, I was grateful to have such a good teacher to begin with, and then to have people on the set, because I really wanted to, to speak Farsi that would impress Farsi speaking people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, and then it was just, it was a whole new world for me. Um, I have to say the first time I put on the long coat and the it's a hajim. It's uh, a burka. Or, the burka uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I really felt what it's like to be in a culture where women have to cover themselves up, um, even though, you know, we're told that it's getting looser and loose as far as how much hair there is shown and everything. but. Um, it really I, I was very aware of that when I when I first put on that and said, oh, no, no, you have to wear this coat and you have to have a scarf on if they're uh, when there are men around. And um, it, it hit me that that we were portraying, um, you know, a culture very, very different, obviously, from the one I come from. And I really liked that. It was a great learning experience. Yeah,
4: yeah. You mentioned Farsi there. Uh, Neve. I know you had to learn Farsi from season one. Uh, was it easier for you jumping right back into it this time around? And what advice were you giving Glenn on that front?
6: I have to say I did I did feel a difference a little bit because in the first season I needed to, to learn it out of scratch and my mouth needed really to adjust uh, for the language. Uh, and in the second season, it became a bit easier but uh, honestly, she came so prepared. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe that for English speakers, it's even more um, complicated as, you know, the pronunciations are so different. Um, but we memorize. Y- you, you could find us in so many moments uh, sitting behind the camera and just whispering Farsi mm-hmm. our to ourselves and yeah. memorizing over and over. The, lines.
4: the relationship between your characters is built on trust, but the business they're in is very untrustworthy. And I find that very interesting. What sort of conversations were you guys having with each other about building the dynamic between your, your two characters?
7: Well, I think it was beautifully written in the script, actually. Um, I think it started, uh, and I was very aware as that character, that she had rank over me. Uh, she had come, you know from Israel, she was a trained Mossad agent. Um, I probably did some, some basic training, but um, I had years on her and I had better knowledge of the, of the country. But what I think was very well written in the script was how, how our you know, dynamic shifted sometimes back and forth within even one episode. Uh, and I think we ended up at the, at the end having great respect for each other. Um, and I, and, you know, affection, but, um, and and it be, all came down to trust. I mean, that, that, that line that you see when I said, my life depends on yours and, um, and her life depend on mine and you have to trust. And one of
4: the things that I find so interesting
7: about Tamar is that she plays
4: characters within characters and she has so many different personas that she, picks up and drops her the hat. And that's one of the things that makes her so good at her job. What things are you doing as an actress to help differentiate your personas on the show?
6: Yeah, first of all, also, I mean, I needed to learn the Farsi. I needed to learn Kav Maga, to to really to work on my um, physical skills. And I needed to think, how would it be to sacrifice my life for my country or for my people and what does it mean and what does it mean to be a Mossad agent in the most uh, psychological way. Um, Yeah, I believe that was the most challenging thing to understand.
4: Interesting. So we've been talking a little bit about perfecting personas and then dropping them at the tip of a head and Glenn you're somebody who's had to perfect a lot of personas and then drop them as soon as the director calls cut for the first time. Which of those characters did you have the hardest time letting go of?
7: Well, on stage it was Norma Desmond. On on uh, in film, I guess it was Patty Hughes in Damages because I lived with that character for five years and the the writers are so brilliant and they didn't put me together with my father until the very last episode. And then I realized as the actor, oh my God, she's the damaged one. She is damaged. You know, that's where it begins. So yeah, she, she, she haunted me for a while. Uh, Neve, one of the special
4: skills that Tamar has is hacking. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Tamar, amazing hacker, new Sultan, not so much. Not so
6: much. Not at all. Not, not so much and not at all. I'm the most <laughs> technophobic, even, you know, on Zoom meetings when you just need to, to press the link and then you need to put a, a password into in order to get into the meeting. I'm always losing this part. I'm always just forgetting the password and I can't find it. No, I'm very, very not hacker <laughs> or, you know. So
4: take me behind the scenes a little bit here. What is going on when Tamar is hacking? And what do you do to make that look as convincing as possible?
6: I am faking. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> God, he's acting. Acting. I am faking. <laughs> <it. Long> <laughs> acting. <laughs> um no, but honestly, I'm I'm happy to to have Danny Sirking, my director, with me. He always he's very good. He's very, he's he's very he's brilliant, man, and he always explains me. You know, what exactly am I doing or what the The, the main thing is not what she like the, the bottoms or the thing that she presses is what she feels in that moment or what she does or uh, how she feels about the mission. So that's the most important thing in my eyes.
4: We've been talking a little bit about the things that you had to learn for this role, like Farsi, like Krav Maga for you, Neve, uh, Glenn, what is the craziest thing that you've had to learn for a role? And can you still do it?
7: <laughs> Um. Well, juggling, juggling, You're just saying in my whole career juggling, I was in the American, I was in the, the original company of Barnum and I played a character that at the end, the, the metaphor for her dying was I juggled and then I threw the balls to Jim Dale and to juggle in a spotlight in front of an audience yeah. in a moment, that was pretty hairy. And every now and then I pick up, uh, I pick up the balls. And you can do it. Can do it. Uh, I, if I practiced, I could do it. Yeah. Just three, though. I only got Seems to three. It's to be
6: a very complicated thing to do.
4: Yeah. <laughs> uh, watching you guys together, by the way, is great. I'm loving this dynamic that you guys have. And Lee, you were talking earlier about, you know, Glenn Close. You're acting with the Glenn Close. So how long did it take for you to go from, oh my God, it's Glenn Close to, okay, another scene with Glenn Close. My colleague, my bestie, let's go. It
6: was never, it was never another scene with Glenn, I have to tell you. It was never, oh, another <laughs> scene with Glenn, because every scene, every moment with her, she celebrates every moment. She celebrates things. You know, She, I felt like every cell in her body, her, her eyes, her face, everything is involved in the scene and in, in the dramatic moment. Uh, but from the very beginning, I was really nervous before our first meeting, but then she came. First thing she did was she hugged me. And then I could, I, I, it, it was really, I could breathe. Um, but in terms of, of, of acting together, it was never, oh, another scene. Every <laughs> scene I was totally there from the beginning and super excited and, and nervous.
4: Uh, Niamh, this is season two. Now, you know, this show like the back of your hand, do you have an ending in mind for your character and have you discussed that with the writers?
6: <laughs> I don't have an ending, but I have some ideas and I have to say we do have a very open relationship and over conversation, me and the writers and Donnie and the director. Like, and that's an amazing, an amazing thing. And it's truly a gift for an actor. But I won't tell you, listen. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's okay. Once I've stopped the record, then, you know, you can tell me in private. It's okay. I won't tell anybody. Uh My final question for you, your characters are two undercover agents at the top of their game. If you could take these characters and put them into any other show to interact with any of the awesome spies we've had, over the last however many years, uh, what show would that be and why?
7: Um, it would be, and I've gone blank. It's <laughs> yeah. a very complicated... The big one, Daniel question: The big one. James Bond. James Bond. James Bond. James Bond. He knows the best. I so want to be, I mean. be in a big James Bond movie, being a, a very powerful woman. I think that'd be fun
6: or any, any. That's any. a headline. Here you go. Yeah. I can think about someone else. I can think, I can oh. think of someone. Another one would be really fun to be in is
7: Slow Horses.
4: Yes. <laughs> I just spoke to Gary Oldman and Jack Loudon about that show a few weeks ago. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. That would be really fun to be the Slow Horses. Neve Sultan, Glenn Close, thank you so much for your time. This has been a pleasure and congratulations on your show. Thank, thank you, so you much. very
7: much.
0: That was Glenn Close and Niv Sultan. And we move on now to this week's reviews. Uh, And I think first up this week, we have Conversations with Friends. The next collaboration between Lenny Abramson and author Sally Rooney after 2020's Normal People. The best show of that year. Um, This one sees two Dublin students form, shall we say, a connection with a married couple. Beth, have a conversation with us about this.
1: You really just don't have the time for this <laughs> this week, do you? <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, Sally, really, I'm, I'm struggling to find a more prolific author from this, as in my generation. Like, I forget how old she is, but it's I think without giving too much away, she's younger than me. Uh, but is just has has just absolutely. I can't even think of how quite to describe the success of her and how well her... I, you know, it's inevitable that these novels were going to be adapted. I think I just given the cultural impact that they have and the fact that Normal People was done so incredibly well, like the casting alone, if you see where Paul Mescal and, and Daisy Edgar Joes are now and and how they're at the kind of just on the up and up, it's been an astonishing journey. And so... It's almost, it's quite, I was nervous about this show and how it's continuing this legacy. You know, how do you follow up from something like Normal People, which, you know, broke all kinds of streaming records, international appeal, won all these awards. It was like, absolutely astonishing. So, yeah, it's. it was a bit of trepidation with this that I approached this show. Although I do love uh, Lenny Abrahamson, who was returned from making... We, yeah, directed most of the episodes of of Normal People and, and now returns to, to do the same here. Um, it's a fantastic cast. It's gone a slightly different way to what happened with Normal People, which were two kind of very, very uh, relatively unknown kind of breakouts. But this, you've got Sasha Lane, who uh, is very briefly in Loki. Her big breakout was in a film called American Honey, Um, which was an Andrea Arnold film but she was very I think she was street cast I want to say she definitely wasn't very well known when she made her breakout in that film Um, Gerima Kirk who was obviously in Girls, um, and then Joe Olwyn, who is as well as Taylor Swift's boyfriend, which is apparently what a lot of people know from James Dyer included. Weirdly, uh, <laughs> he's been he's been in sort of smaller parts in big films. So he was in The Favorite, and um, he was one of the people that stepped in to replace Robert Pattinson in The Souvenir Part Two. Um, like, a, like a reliable screen presence, I wouldn't say an extraordinary one. Um, and then we've got this newcomer Alison Oliver who plays Frances who's kind of our central character in this so yeah she is a uh, a writer and a poet she does these uh, performance pieces with Bobby played by Sasha Lane uh, they used to have a relationship but are very close friends now um, and then yeah they meet Jeremiah um, McKirk's character um, Melissa who's also an author but obviously an established one you know profiles in the kind of profile that Terry White would write for one of these like big like magazines like very very upmarket, very um aspirational and yeah they they start to play not play games but they they, they start to kind of engage with each other she's married to joe owen's character and they start to have feelings for the various parties within that relationship that unfold in various ways without giving too much away um i would say with this i I've watched four episodes of this now, Uh, very easy to watch. And it took me a little while to adjust to the friendship between Francis and Bobby. So they kind of are very much at the crux of at least the first episode, most of the second. And then the other two characters come in slightly more. And they're very good on their own. I think Sasha Lane is incredibly enigmatic and charming and she's um, quite elusive. She's quite an elusive presence. And then Alison Oliver is this newcomer. She's quite, um, well, the, the, the whole kind of crux of her character is she's very nervous and shy and struggles to form complete sentences when talking to people. And she does that very, very well. Um but together, it it didn't quite work for me until they sort of hit their stride a few episodes later. Um, and we just haven't seen that much of my McCurk in the episodes I've seen so far. I would say the stand-up for this was Joe Orwin, which is which is good. He's very subtle. He's very... I mean, he has been cast mainly for his, his kind of sex appeal, and that does... It works. It You know, it makes him very enigmatic and charismatic without being over the top and that works really well and it's just it's beautifully filmed so it's filmed on film um gorgeous soundtrack a lot of the same tropes that were used in normal people and i guess if it's not Broken, don't fix it in that respect. Like it's very much the same, very wistfully made. And you know, you've got like this very whimsical soundtrack and beautiful settings. The one I've just watched, they've gone on holiday, the four of them somewhere, and it's absolutely stunning where they are. So yeah, absolutely beautifully made. It was just, yeah, the the essential friendship, it took a little while to get into a stride for me, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um I think that on the on the plus side it, i I just think it underlines the incredible lenny Abramson, his ability to immediately capture a kind of world of these characters. The world of these characters is a kind of studenty mm. quite kind of you know um al uh, her Francis considers to be a communist, and you know they're that and they're all like talking about higher polluting literary things, you know, their writers and actors just capturing that whole world of a kind of, um, you know, arty, very kind of politically engaged people talking about this stuff and at the same time, embroiling themselves in sexual shenanigans and kind of doing stuff that, you know, I don't know, just kind of testing the morality and, and, and the, and the, um, of their friendships, if you like. Mm. I just think he nails it as a director so brilliantly it just feels like that's what you know with normal people 10 minutes in you totally believed in those two characters and their vibe and what they were talking about and the kind of awkwardness between them in this i totally believed in all four characters and their and the way they're interacting and and even and I know what you mean about that friendship. I think I, I felt like that that Sasha Lane's character, Bobby, is 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 very annoying. I think she's mentally irritating, yes. right? Yeah, she, she uh, fails yeah. the ballet yeah.
0: test. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that's really interesting because it's like how does whereas Frances is an absolute delight and she's the kind mm. of like uh inward, you know, seemingly anyway, kind of quiet, you know, but I feel like she's being She's being affected by the fact that Bobby is such a big character, you know. Yeah. Um, and I found that very believable. I found that I, I thought I really, I really, I really, I thought that power dynamic between them I think is really interesting. And of course, they used to be yeah. together. They were they, they they are ex exes, if you like, who still have this kind of bond, and that's fascinating in itself. So the whole thing, and then to have them connected to this older, more successful, you know, um, sexy couple. Let's face it. Um, mm. It's just, it's just a brilliant kind of. It's just a simple. Which I haven't read the book, but again, I think it, a lot of it, it has to be credited to Sally Rooney's way with dialogue. As I understand it, you know, from what yeah. I'm reading, a lot of the dialogue is taken direct from the books, and the, the dialogue is one of the things she's actually brilliant at. But I, to, I, I, yeah, it just feels so real to me that that is the the brilliance of it. I, because I'm a because I'm a simple person, I can't stop but. Comparing it to normal people, um, which mm. was certainly up there as the best things of that year. I agree with James. M- not quite the best. That was, I may destroy you that James couldn't Yeah, with. yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Um, quick safer. Normal people was absolutely, yeah, was absolutely up there. And I don't think, and I think, remember, like, I, I have to tell, I was, you know, normal people, those two were so incredibly charismatic and appealing.
3: Mm. Paul
2: Meskal. And Daisy Edgar Jones and yeah. the characters. And it was so, and, it, and it's much easier with just a central romance. I mean, there's lots of other yeah. supporting characters. It's which much more emotionally accessible. Drawn. Mm. But it's, yeah, it's much easier to tap into a, a duo's relationship than this, which is in a way more ambitious and difficult to tap into a, a four of them. Even though it's kind of mostly seen from Francis's point of view, um, you're still getting to know these four different people. Um, and so even though I believe in it's not quite as amazingly compellingly brilliant as normal people but if you if you'd never seen normal people and didn't know about it and this thing arrived mm-hmm. you'd be like oh this is fucking brilliant I mean it's just yeah. so well done so well written <laughs> yeah. so brilliantly cast jemima Kirk perfect as yeah. this, as you say this quite successful writer who's Incredibly flirtatious with um Francis, and what I loved about Joe Alwyn's character is that he's just kind of a bore to begin with. He's like a completely mm. flat, which a very interesting observation about actors. I've met a lot of fucking actors, right? <laughs> and one of the things that sometimes you find with with actors, particularly good-looking male actors, in fact, this is really unfair, but I'm gonna say anyway, is they come across as a bit like blank. And he absolutely nails that. And then, but as time goes on. Francis draws out of him you know more interesting personality traits that really um Jemima Kirk's Melissa kind of tampers down like she's mm-hmm. the dominant one in that relationship clearly and she almost makes fun of him being a bit of a bore frankly um so all of that I think I found fascinating and completely involving and convincing it's just not quite yet I've only I've watched Two episodes mm. and it hasn't hasn't gone full on. Now, the other thing, of course, normal people did incredibly was the intimacy. The intimate, yeah. you know, the sex basically was extraordinarily yeah. brilliantly handled. This yeah. year hasn't got, got into that particularly yet. So I'm waiting <laughs> for all that to arrive. I'm sure it oh, will I'm, I'm in it. But okay.
1: it's, it's so interesting to, yeah, it is. It, I. You can't help but compare us to normal people. It's not even like, but it's, it's inevitable. It's inevitable that's that's yeah. going to happen. Given the absolute success, you know, it's it's hit so many marks in terms of like critical success. The number of people that, like it, it is inevitably the case, and that was in my mind when I was watching the the scenes of intimacy there. Um, and it's yeah, it's more of the same. I would just describe it as
5: right. Yeah,
0: I want to. I want to give a shout out though to Hetty McDonald. Though Hetty McDonald, who of course directed half of Normal People, and actually some of my favourite yes. episodes of that, who did some astonishing work. So I know Lenny Abrahamson often gets a lot of the credit for that show, but it was an even split actually in episodes, six each they did. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is this was her first book, and I don't think it's generally held to be as good. I think I'm right in saying as Normal People, which is her oh. second book. Um, I think she does have a gift for real characters who speak real dialogue they feel like they have an inner life they feel completely rounded like there's no sense of artifice there's no waving off of motivation like you feel these are completely fully formed beings that she's somehow conjured from the ether and that seems to be her gift and even if they're doing relatively mundane things some of the time like falling in love or going out for dinner it's so the verisimilitude is so palpable that you feel like you're there and there's something very tangible about that which i like um I think you guys have both covered the, the main crux of this for me. Like I think normal people is is it's a it's a love story. You get swept up in it, you get mm. incredibly engaged in it. It's a universal experience. Uh and it's wonderfully told. And those two actors Paul Mescal and Daisy Edgar Jones completely sell that I don't need to bang on about this show any more than I did back when it was the best show of 2020 but uh, but, but this one I think is more difficult because the characters are broadly less likeable I would say Um, if I'm honest with you I think only one of the four is bearable a lot of the time which is (laughs) alice nolan's character the i mean joe alwyn is as you say bland and tedious blandy mcblanderson and i found both jemima kirk and sasha lane's characters to be deeply aggravating so i'm gonna i'm gonna watch more of this and we'll see and i'm sure as it plays out and it sort of the the story develops more it will become more engaging uh but i think it's a it's a more difficult sell it's just you know it's a it's a slightly more Complex emotional journey, I think, to go on, but, uh, but one I think we should all embark upon. Uh, seems like a good show. How many episodes is this one?
2: I think it's twelve half hours, like, like twelve normal again. people. Yeah, 12 and, they, again. and right. showing okay. them
0: double bills starting on um, on yep. Sunday, yep. BBC yep. Three. Yeah. Well, yeah. So this is BBC Three, as Boyd says, and uh, this begins on the fifteenth of May. Uh, conversations with friends, then. Next, this week, uh, we drag Beth kicking and screaming back to the Boschiverse with (laughs) Netflix's adaptation of the Michael Connolly-Mickey Haller series. Uh, And this one puts Manuel Garcia-Rolfo in the role that Matthew McConaughey made famous on the big screen as a lawyer running his practice out of the back of his Lincoln town car. Um, Beth, I'll spare you this one. Boyd, Boyd, (laughs) were you excited to return to the Boschiverse? Of course, it's not the Boschiverse, is it? Because Netflix own this and Amazon own Bosch. Even though they do take place in the same, universe never the twain shall meet
2: well well, well, it's interesting isn't it yeah because mickey haller is is what the half brother bosch's half brother (laughs) -brother. is that ever going to be acknowledged
0: well no i I guess it can't be well no spoilers for bosch legacy but there is a flashback sequence which probably gets as close to a crossover as ip ownership will yeah (laughs) yeah exactly Um, but yeah Yeah. they can't like neither one i think can name the other characters properly no so so
2: so it's not it, it should be part of the bosch and if there
0: has any but it's sense not. like
2: like um, Sony and Marvel did mm. and Disney did they, they they should allow them to mix and, and that would be great because over. I'd like to see a Bosch-Lincoln-Lawyer crossover I have to say I've read I have read some a lot of these books not a lot some of these yeah. books when I used to do um, book reviews every week on with Simon May on Radio 5 Live we used to re- re- review two books a week how the fuck did I do that um, <laughs> but we did we often did Michael Connolly books and I really like um, uh, some of this character I have to say, to start with, it really took me a while to get used to Manuel Garcia Rovvo as Mickey Hallett. He is not what I imagined from the books. No. Well, because we all
0: imagine Matthew McConaughey, don't we?
2: Right. I guess so. Yeah, that's true. That is a good point. Um, and he's completely not Matthew McConaughey. If anything, he's like, he's weirdly underplays it a bit. Like, you know yeah. how both Bosch and Matthew McConaughey's version of this character are big, larger-than-life figures, charismatic. He's like, kind of feels like just a normal guy who's ended up somehow, you know, embroiled in the most incredible situations. And um, so he's basically like recovering he got into addiction uh, to, to prescription drugs, he's suffered um traumatic events, he's kind of we first meet him on the beach, he's become like a surfer bro basically and like given up, he hasn't been lawyering for a while. And he's brought back into lawyering but by, by a, a a kind of associate diet and leaves his entire lawyering stuff to the Lincoln lawyer, to Mickey Haller. So Mickey Hallers has a whole new kind of um start in life effectively due to this guy being being killed. So he's got to, he's gonna that that's going to be the investigation, the guy who's killed. There's also and that he's taking on new cases, including this super rich tech dude who seems to have killed um this woman who was because ha- he who he caught having sex, his his girlfriend's having sex with. There's lots of different um cases piled up. So I couldn't quite work out from this I only watched the first episode whether it's gonna be these three cases running through the whole series or there'll be even more pile-on of cases and there'll be another case every single week for them for um, him to deal with, um, which will kind of annoy James because James doesn't like um, uh, ep- story of the week type storytelling in TV, but we'll see. <laughs> but I thought Nev Campbell was great as his ex. Um, I thought that the stories themselves, the mysteries, the cases that he has to take on seemed fascinating and interesting. The, the 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 really rich guys incredibly annoying twat but totally believable um like i think elon musk you know kind of figure can, <laughs> what would happen if elon musk was accused of killing someone you get this this figure um i thought it was really well shot i think um possibly better than bosch legacy no but, um, it was not just saying maybe a little bit more
0: this more is a big of, fat lie
2: but, but but there were so many but not they're also like He happens to also have, there's lots of scenes where after a long day's work, he's sitting in LA overlooking the city, you know, on one of the Hollywood Hills, exactly the same way Bosch does. So it does seem very Boschian from that point of view. Um, I very much enjoyed it. I like this kind of thing anyway. I like the character. I like the books and it served it pretty well, I thought.
1: Why well, did realise it was part of the Bosch universe? So I'm now pretty, I'm pretty annoyed <laughs> that I've been lured into you the second in in two weeks.
0: Just when you thought you were out, we pull you back in.
1: <gasps> we don't even without oh, even realise it. This is really unfair. Um, I mean, what, <laughs> what to say? I mean, it's its own standalone thing. It was pretty unoriginal and now I understand why because it's it's part of like this whole universe of other stuff I mean it's fine it's absolutely fine like the the performances were were good I like Becky Newton as his kind of spunky ex-wife that was fun the the world was quite interesting um I don't, I don't. you've thrown me through a loop now because now that you've said it's part of the Bosch legacy, well, it makes more sense. ignore all
0: that because it can't be part of it. Like it, it's, it, the, the source material is related, but the series is not related. So you're fine.
1: Okay. There is no well,
0: connection. It takes place in a different universe because different companies
1: own it. Okay. Okay. Fine. Well, yes, it was, it was an intriguing start to the show. It's quite interesting. I, I've not seen this this lead guy, Manuel Garcia Rolfo in anything before. He was quite charismatic and fun, and I like the rapport with Becky Newton, especially uh, she definitely like, livened things up quite a lot, I think. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I like that. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't help. But I'm also watching this along with Better Call Saul, which obviously... Just the kind of courtroom drama thing, underdogs fighting for themselves and for other underdogs, you know, slightly better than what I'm watching here. It was, it was perfectly fine. It's not in my wheelhouse at all. I probably won't watch it any, anymore, but I can't pick out any outright problems Well,
0: The thing here that kind of should bake your noodle a little bit is, you know, the detective who is investigating the murder of the lawyer in this yeah, in the book that's Harry Bosch <laughs> like it is Bo- it is Bosch's right. case Bosch is investigating right. this murder because this is not and this is kind of what threw me about this because I hadn't really read up on it beforehand this is not based on The Lincoln Lawyer which was the first appearance of Mickey Haller in Michael Connolly's books this is based right. on The Brass Verdict which is the second Mickey Haller novel which makes a certain amount of sense because I think every a lot of people will have seen The Lincoln Lawyer movie m- okay. and know how it plays out and so it's nice to start in a different way but yeah I was like but but you you're not Bosch you should be yeah. Bosch where is Bosch Anyway, um, I enjoy this for the same reason Boyd does. I'm a sucker Mm. for David E. Kelly legal stuff. (laughs) I am a sucker for all of this kind of stuff, and it, it just draws me in. And all of that said there are parts of this where i lamented the filmmaking a tiny bit the (laughs) prologue for this is so shockingly directed i was just like what the fuck like just i I was embarrassed by it like it's just it's a guy in a car park thinks someone's following him just keeps stopping turning around going hello is anybody there and then which nobody does and then gets into his car and really slowly reaches up for the rearview mirror and adjusts it to see if there's someone in the back seat and there isn't and it's just like what is this this is like the worst (sighs) horror film tropes just like (laughs) crowbarred into the sequence and this really threw me because after that i was like oh my god i fear for the lincoln lawyer if after that like but actually after that it picks up and it moves at quite a clip and it's actually pretty good there are a couple of very ropey bits of cg compositing though there's a bit where they're in front of like a sea view and it is so obviously green screened um but you know that is what it is like it's a practicality thing i won't hold them too much to task for that the only thing really stood out for me is exactly what Boyd said early on that it's a very understated Mickey Haller we get here or Holler as they call him Mickey Holler <laughs> um in the the way that he is played in this by Manuel Garcia Rolfo is very much in every man it's very very subdued And it works. It's surprising. It threw me, but it works. And he's quite charismatic, but quietly so. The only thing I didn't really buy is he's a lawyer who's been out of work for quite a long time. He's not really been doing anything. And yet he swings his cock about metaphorically like nothing other than, yeah, I mean, I can win any case as long as I believe I'm right. It's like,
3: can you though? I don't think that's how the law
0: works. Thank God you said
2: metaphorically. I was like, did I miss yeah, that Yeah, it's not, literally, it's not
0: quite that explicit. But it's just like, he's very, very sort of almost obnoxiously confident for a man who doesn't basically work. And he's yeah. like, yeah, of course I can get you off. I can 100% go, I don't think you have that level of control. You can put together <laughs> forth a the good argument, but ultimately a jury will decide. Um, so that didn't really work for me. Especially because he's not like this high-flying, super successful lawyer. He's desperately in need of work. So I thought, mm, okay, sure, whatever. But uh, but that aside, uh, yeah, I, look, I enjoyed it. It's fun. I think there's a lot to love here. I think uh, if you're a Bosch fan looking for your Bosch fix, you won't find it here because Bosch ain't there. But uh, but The Lincoln Lawyer then, are, I would say a good, a good legal romp. That is my <laughs> summation of that one. Uh, and it comes to Netflix on the 13th of May. One thing I do want to point out, though, before we move on from this, is... There's a weird reliance on vignette shots. Did you notice this? Like no. really strange Vaseline on the lens style vignette shots where it'd be a shot of like the LA landscape with all of it in blood, but with a tiny bit in focus, like with a really tight, aggressive oh, vignette on the shot. Yeah, and I couldn't it. work out why they were doing it it's a very odd stylistic flourish to just keep dropping in but anyway yeah. uh, I was so
1: was like my- so instagram account in like 2010 yeah 100 <laughs>
0: it's like it was like my first instagram look at my crazy vignette i still don't know what they're doing there but anyway as long as you've got good tons for vignettes you might enjoy the lincoln lawyer uh Next up, we have Tokyo Vice, the Michael Mann, no less, directed adaptation of the Jake Adelstein book, which stars Ansel Elgort as a budding reporter in Japan who gets on the wrong side of the Yakuza. Uh, Beth, Vice or... Virtue.
1: I really enjoyed this. It was. uh, I've watched how many episodes have I watched? I've watched two episodes. So this is based on. uh, Yes, it's based on a book um, by an American journalist called Jake Adelstein, who is loosely the inspiration of uh, Ansel Elgort's character in this show, and he gets embroiled in the yakuza while he's working as a very young foreign recruit the only foreign recruit um on a tokyo daily newspaper um and it is all about the criminal underworld of tokyo but it in a way that i honestly haven't seen i, I really love like japanese cinema um and anime and as you know as the as a scholar of of animation um but this really took pains to show a really authentic very lived in version of Tokyo in the 1990s that I just I haven't seen in any other way before and to add to that the first episode is directed by Michael Mann which in itself just feels like something worth celebrating um, like the way he captures back streets and and little Dirty pockets of communities is always extraordinary. It's always tense. It's always taught. Um, and so, the first episode of this is really something special. Um, it follows Jake as he is being recruited into this paper. It's you know, it is everything's just multiple timelines now, isn't it? It is just multiple timelines. So it does skip back and forth a little bit between the current day where he's involved in something quite shady with Ken Watanabe's cop. Um, who has taken him under his wing and is helping him to kind of infiltrate the Yakuza and then him on the rise to becoming this kind of rookie reporter as part of this, uh, this newspaper that he's working on and you know, he's becoming more and more curious about the world around him, despite it, he really comes up against the culture of that he's reporting on, in that there's no murder in Japan. It's is kind of the thing that's repeated over and over again. There's no such thing as murder, there's no such thing as murder, only there really is, and it's grisly and horrible. Um, and he's trying to get to the bottom of it and is coming up against kind of multiple hurdles. Um, but that really is just the baseline of what it is. A lot of it is just existing within this world. You go to nightclubs where he's following leads. You kind of see him in his little um, apartment above a, um, a little store in kind of this Tokyo backstreet. You see him in restaurants and studying and trying to, you know, going to kind of blow off steam in all these places as well. Um, and then you've got this criminal underworld at this stage, from what I understand, it becomes less about Jake and more about the the Yakuza. Um, but at the moment, It's beginning. You know, you're you're beginning to see the formation of of some pretty dreadful things happening, Um, and then you've got other characters as well. There's a there's a kind of um, hostess club where young women are courting salary men and and um, their escorts, and they've got their own thing to do um, as well. It all feels incredibly meticulously put together. It feels like you really are watching things. You know, less an American lens on this, but actually a, a Japanese show, like the way that they're doing things and, and the manner in which they do things as well. Um, yeah, I found this super, super interesting. And I really enjoyed seeing something new when it comes to, you know, something that's already been covered so much in the, the past. Yeah. Um, and so Elgort is very good in this. You know, he's usually the weak link in a lot of stuff. Sometimes he's the weak <laughs> link in some truly terrible stuff. But he, yeah, as this kind of clean-jawed young pup who's kind of sticking his nose in the wrong places, he's he's very good here.
2: Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. I think um, Michael Man's only directed one episode, as far well as I can make out. Yeah, so right, kind yeah. of, but I mean, you can't. Blame them for selling it on on that fact because Michael Mann directing anything is kind of newsworthy. You don't it takes him yeah. like about ten years to uh, to get a project <laughs> together seemingly? Um, yeah. And I'm a big fan of his best stuff. I mean, I think he's made some absolute fucking masterpiece films. Um, I wouldn't say that the recent ones are that great. Black Hat was that his last one, I think, which which I wasn't uh, a massive fan yeah, of. That was it brilliant. was fine. It was no, it was okay. Even the Miami Vice film, I'm not a huge fan of. It almost feels like the producers of this show have gone, hmm, Tokyo Vice, who should we get to direct this first episode? I know, we'll get that guy who did Miami Vice, that'll work. And it has worked because he does a brilliant job. And there, it's funny because there are moments that I kept thinking, how far is it? How far down Michael Mannish type <laughs> directing is he going to go? goes. there are moments where like really weird camera angles. Uh, you're talking about um, An- Ansel in his flat, in his little flat to yeah. emphasize how intimate that flat is. How someone, He kind of shoots him from like the, his feet up, looking at him all the way up, like kind of weird moments, weird camera angles. He's brilliant at also kind of, um, you know, um, neon soaked um, landscape, cityscapes, isn't he? The 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 shots of Tokyo itself are fantastic and mm. the, the kind of mm. establishment of this world, as you say, in the 90s is really well done. But I just thought it's a really... Fa- that This newspaper, oh my God, it's like run like a fucking prison or something. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's not like all these journalists kind of literally trooped into the office yeah. of the person kind of telling them what the fuck to do and they have no freedom to do anything whatsoever. And one of the kind of ongoing things is Ansel character kind of just basically ignoring the fact that he's supposed to do very limited journalism on these crimes that he's covering and he keeps wanting to do other things and interview the the alleged perpetrator and this that and the other um it's just fascinating being taken through the the clear reality of what a a Tokyo newspaper is really like and what the journalists were like and how incredibly rigid and this is all obviously adapted from a from a memoir by Jake Elstein who went through it so it has to be mm-hmm. this you know he's not making it up um that's all fascinating I thought absolutely fascinating um and the and it does play with time, but the opening scene is fantastically gripping where he is with um, Ken Watanabe's character and they're clearly in the middle of their relationship of journalist and mm. comp investigating the, the the situation. So that is yeah. really gripping. And then it's kind of filling in from then on how Ansel Elgort got to where he was at that point. And that works perfectly well, storytelling, right? So I, I, I'm up for it, yeah. I think it's really interesting, beautifully made. He's very well cast, you say. Probably the best he is thing he's done, Ancelogal, for ages. You totally believe in him, being a bit of a bit of an American end, you know. Um, uh,
0: yeah,
3: great. <laughs> yeah.
0: It is, you're actually right about that intro, though, that it has incredibly gripping. Sort, yeah. of, uh, sort of, like, I mean, I, then followed by the two years earlier, your favourite device <laughs> <Yes>. void. <laughs> yes. But uh, that that sort of, like, a prologue is, is wonderful, The Cold Open. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot. I mean, it's also interesting because it takes place in the 90s, and we know this because he's listening to Pearl Jam's first album during yes. one scene <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. excellent scene setting ah oh, great thanks for that, for that so, contact yeah. For us. Um, but uh, yeah it's it's. I think what this succeeds in many ways is first of all it's a very slow burn is no rush to get anywhere and I think what it succeeds at is it makes you feel like Adelstein does Like it makes you feel like a stranger in a strange land you feel like a foreigner because you don't mm-hmm. understand the language and you don't understand the customs and you don't understand the culture and neither does he and you're feeling your way I mean to be fair he understands the language he speaks Japanese very well yeah. this, but he's still trying to get to grips with, if not Japanese culture, then the culture of Japanese newspapers which work very differently to how one might imagine. Uh, I don't recall the hour-long written (laughs) test that I had to do to get a a job at Empire, but it certainly wasn't anywhere near as stringent (laughs) as that one. yeah it's uh and and i think you're right he has and this is what i said this about uh (laughs) i said this about west side story when you hire ansel elgore you get a dash of bellend for your money Mm. and he brings bellend to the role but in this case i think you need a bit of bellend because he's a bit of a bellend that's Mm. the character but he's dogged he's a dogged bellend uh and you know and he (laughs) wants to get to the heart of this story and you follow him on it willingly like it's 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 beautifully shot it's beautifully acted it's very compelling obviously i don't know where this is going to go and i'm deliberately not reading up Mm. on the story because i don't want to know where it goes because that promise the promise of that prologue is actually very very enticing so um yeah we'll wait and see but i mean just watch it because it's it's beautiful (laughs) and it's great (laughs) and you know and this this feels in a way that the lincoln lawyer doesn't like this feels like very premium peak tv and the lincoln lawyer which i really enjoyed doesn't quite feel premium it feels very much of this modern era because of the way the series is constructed but in terms of production values and stuff, it doesn't quite feel like it's like event television this is event television mm. and to a certain extent conversation with friends is also event television um but anyway anyway enough of me wanging on as i have a tendency to do uh tokyo vice does arrive on stars play on the 15th of may as well. What is your pick of the week, people?
1: Oh, tough um, one this week.
2: Conversation with friends for me. I can't wait to watch the rest of it, so.
1: Yeah, I will watch all of that. So yeah, gonna see just
0: I would have gone Tokyo Vice, but I think mm. either or would be absolutely fine in this case. Uh, other things that are out this week. We had The Essex Serpent, which arrives on Apple TV Plus on the 13th, and we couldn't review because it is embargoed, but we might get to that next week. Uh, How I Met Your Father comes to these shores on Disney Plus on the 11th as well, which is the spin-off slash reboot with Hilary Duff of How I Met Your Mother? I don't know. I didn't really watch that so I, I couldn't really tell you. Das Boot returns for a third season on Sky Atlantic on the 15th. I remember we reviewed that back in the day. Uh, the Blacklist's ninth season comes to Sky Max. Uh, what about SWAT? That's like season five. That's also on Sky Max. Uh, and there's, there's an NCIS returning for, let me check, season 130 uh, on the 15th. So that's nice, which is NCIS Los Angeles. Bright brackets ncis colon la which is a lot of letters wow anything else buddy? what have i missed i think you've covered it frankly. yes yeah yeah oh my god <laughs> he got it all hooray <laughs> well, done. well 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 um I guess that's it for this week's show. Um, As always, we do appreciate five-star reviews and recommendations on Apple Podcasts or the pod platform of your choice. And even if you think you've already left us a review, you may not have done. So feel free to go and double-check. We're on the socials at Pilot TV Pod, where you can pick up more of our weekly recommendations. And you can also find us individually at James C. Dyer, at Beth K. Webb, and at Boyd Hilton. On next week's show, as I mentioned, I think I hope we'll be able to talk about some of the shows that slipped through the embargo net this week, like The Essex Serpent, uh, as well as possibly The Time Traveller's Wife and sci-fi Night Sky, maybe, possibly. Or, you know, maybe I'll just find another excuse to bang on about *Bosch*. Who knows? Uh, see you next time. Pilots out.